Thundergrunt. Who are we? I'm Ron. I'm John. I'm Steve. And, and this is this is movie schmovie. Movie schmovie. Man, uh, this is the big one. There was one episode that we didn't have the theme music on it, mm-hmm. and it made me so sad. I think it was like two episodes ago. Uh-huh. Then when it came on again, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> there it is. Yeah, man. I I didn't realize how much like I've grown. I love that song. Yeah. This is episode 153. It's a big deal. Well, that's not the big deal, but the big deal is it's our big uh, best of the year episode. I don't know if you guys feel like we kind of rev up to this. There's always right. a there's always a big feeling on my part like that this is if yeah. we if we can stick this one. And it's like it, there's certain movies that we're going to probably talk about that we've talked about before and some that we haven't talked about. Uh, that are on our list, but um, it always feels to me like I again, like we were saying a few minutes ago. Uh, I take it a little bit more seriously than I probably should when I'm when I'm looking at the list, and I'll mm-hmm. even talk to to my wife about it and be like, you know, so and so was it ten, but it just it just went down to eleven, and then I totally remembered that so and so was from this year, so now it's number twelve. I don't know what to do. I really wanted that movie on my list. Mm-hmm. I treat it like I'm trying to put together a team or something. <laughs> it, it's, like that. it's extremely that yeah, that's the case. I mean, yeah, I absolutely place like a lot of like just focus and <laughs> excitement into this episode. I feel like it is to me it feels like a culmination because the entire year the point of us getting together is to talk about movies whether we love them or hate them, but what we really deep dive into it most of the time is our love for something. Oh yeah. And like, you know, if you really kind of have the ability to look back on this year um what is better than just talking about every single thing that you loved? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or especially all three of us being able to talk and, and yeah. there's crossover. And, and like Rana was saying earlier over our, over this text message thread that we have, it's like, he was saying something that I was thinking, which is that like, I feel like there's really going to be a lot of like differentiation in our list, which is cool. Cause mm-hmm. that variety is just something that says, yeah. that says, you know, one, I think this year surprised the shit out of me in terms of how many movies I love this year. Oh, yeah. But the fact that we even still think that there's going to be variety among our lists, which I agree with you, yeah. that I think there will be, Yeah. that's even more exciting to me. Because, like, I know I've heard about films through you guys that I didn't even really have on my radar, you know? And, um, I don't know, just to be able to talk about that and see where they place and, you know, I don't know. Having a, a rating or a place, like, it's always something to go back and forth about, but being able to... To look at a list and just kind of throw them all together and say, wow, look how different yours is from mine or how similar or whatever. It's just a cool conversation. And it's just like, that's one of my highlights of the year for sure is like this time of year when we're talking about our favorite things about film and, yeah, um, you know, which is followed in a, in a month and a half or so by Oscar talk and things like that. But it's all in that little pocket for me, which is just like the best to talk about the best. Yeah. You know? Well, it's also, yeah, it, it, in that sense... It kind of lets us close the book on some of these movies that we've been talking yeah. about since we knew they were coming. You know, yeah. like a year or two ago, uh, knowing certain things were coming. And this was a big year for those movies that you saw coming. But it was also, uh, for me, looking at my list, a big year for movies that I honestly didn't know about until a couple, three weeks ago. There's a couple yeah, that really same. jumped in there. Um, and I think that's the exciting <laughs> thing. You're right, Steve, that we do, we do sometimes do, like just uh, last time we did the worst of... 2015 and we always talk about like what's the value of doing something negative i think there is still some value in singling out things in a critical sense without just 
you know, being overly mean-spirited about it. But sure. this this type of episode is a lot more fun where you're actually trying to look at, you know, a very a finite list. It's movies you saw this year that came out this year. Uh, but trying to pick the best ones, it it makes me feel good to realize so many good movies came out this year. Definitely. You know, and and yeah. I think that's been the case every year we've done this. I've been I've been pretty impressed. But this year in particular, there were, I don't know, like maybe I would say ten or fifteen great films that I have on my list. You know, easily. Yeah. Uh, um, this uh, despite the the whole like Oscars so white thing and all that stuff, um, and, and all the snubs. Um, this has been a really diverse year for film. Did you do anything to your list because of those? Because I looked at those nominations Man. and I, did, I put some real consideration into some things uh, as far as what was on my list uh, due to what was snubbed and and the diversity factor. If we were talking about performances, yeah, I, I think Sim- my list would be a lot more diverse. Yeah, if you're talking about directors and writers, I have That's I have a lot issue. of a lot of white people on my list yeah. again. This kind of kind of my issue too. Like um, concussion isn't on my list, but it was very close. And it wasn't Will Smith's fault. I thought mm-hmm. Will Smith was incredible. It would have shot up my list if the movie was better. Yeah. I thought he was fucking incredible. I think this might be one of the best performances of his <clears throat> life. And We've never done like a performances of yeah, the man, year maybe episode. We should... Maybe we ought to consider doing that. But it's, there were a ton of movies like Because it would that. be different than the movies. Yeah. Sure, sure. There were a ton of movies that like had more diverse sort of selections, but because the, the overall movie didn't hit me quite as hard. This this might be one of the first years. Th- there's a thing. When I first started getting into film, like heavily watching, you know, more than 40 movies a year, right? There's a thing that uh, used to happen when I first started watching movies where I got like excited to, to see things unfold on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This might be one of the few years that I felt that for so many movies yeah. uh, of all sorts. And just wanting to see what this movie was going to be. Yeah, and I think that I we talked about one pretty recent one's going to be on my list that like I never ever thought because of the subject matter, because of all this stuff, would have made me uncomfortable. But because I dove into it head first and gave it a try, it's on my list, which is fucking weird. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ready for it. And so are there any, well, we've done this in the past. I always ask you guys if there are any movies that you're surprised (laughs) didn't make your top 10. Oh, yeah. Between 11 and 15, anything Mm -hmm. in that zone Mm -hmm. that, like, you are looking at and thinking, I'm sure most people here would think I would have put this on my list. Oh, man. I don't know. Actually, one of the ones that I thought would make my top 10, and and I feel like it only got really pressed out because of a lot of great content in the last two months, Mm -hmm. was a movie I saw in the middle of the year, and it's a sci-fi movie that, like, I had no expectations for. I think it was his first feature. Mm-hmm. Um, a cast that I love. Um, it's called Ex Machina, which is a movie that kind of was going back and forth for me in and out of my 10. Um, watched it a couple more times over the past couple months to kind of feel out where it would end up. But I have other content in my top 10 that I feel like is similar in genre mm-hmm. that I just have to give some sort of pleasure principle edge to. <laughs> Ex Machina is something that like I could watch over and over again and still pick up new pieces from. Yeah. And the acting is so great. The writing is so great. Alicia Vikander is just... I think every love that she's gotten for the Danish girl, which, by the way, I did not see the Danish girl, but her and Ex Machina, I mean, I don't understand why she's not nominated for that film. I mean, mm. I, I, I can't say it because I haven't seen the Danish girl, but what she does as the AI element of that movie, which also may be the most human element of the movie... Is just incredible to me, and Oscar Isaac's, uh, Donald Gleason, just a great cast, and something that made me think about it for a while after seeing it the first time, and like you know what exactly that ending is saying and things like that. Um, 
But yeah, that would be the one that I think just kind of sort of got nudged a little bit out that didn't make it. Okay. Would probably be Ex Machina and uh, I don't know. That's the one that would be, I guess, my number 11. <laughs> what What about you? What about you, what Ron? You, you got an 11 uh, or a 12 you want to? Love and Mercy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was a great movie. Um, the, you know what I realized? There are a lot more action movies than I had any other year. And this this is the year of the feels. Yeah. This is the year that, like, feelings... I don't know I don't know if it's, like, just life lining up the way that it has been, but I've been so emotionally attached to some of these movies <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. that it's a little different than it was last year. Um, so this list specifically is about feelings that I felt when I saw it and... Sometimes feeling things that I never felt when I watched a film before ever in my life. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different. They might not be the best polished movies. They might not be the most polished, but I, I really, <clears throat> a lot more emotion went into this one than any other year. I would say the same for me in that um, it was very much about like the experience I had mm-hmm. watching the film the the emotions I felt watching the film last year I, I I remember I talked a lot about the impact that there were films that hit me really hard and I think yeah. this year that was true too but it was it was different it was it was it was spread over more movies this feeling I had that just it's a it's an exciting time there, because every time I would dig up a, an odd movie that I was hearing critics talking about or that yeah. I was hearing about it would it would be interesting like there were a lot of really <clears throat> entertaining movies this year i feel like might be the the word i know that's a strange thing to be surprised by but so often the really good movies the really thought-provoking films are not as enjoyable and this year had a lot of of movies that could have been hard to watch but that were still kind of fun to see i'll actually uh throw out the what would have been my 11 through 15 just because when i look at these movies it's shocking to me that there's a top 10 this year that they aren't on but uh uh 15 would be bridge of spies 14 would have been the hateful eight 13 would be spotlight 12 would be The Revenant, and 11 would be Inside Out. <laughs> we got Walker. We got Walker. <laughs> we got Walker. I, I did it. You know what? I, I will drop a bomb that most of those were ones that I thought would make my top 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. And were all pushed out. I think oh, most really? of them. I don't, I don't think, I don't know if all of them were pushed out, but very, yeah, okay. on that line. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say anything. Yeah. I don't want to say anything. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think of those five. You just named five, right? Yes. Oh, I have one that yeah. I thought was going to make. I think of those five, I feel like all of them actually may have not made my top ten. Mm-hmm. Also, um, we're probably in that same ballpark of like fifteen to twenty, maybe, or right. like twelve to twenty, or something. I don't know. Some mix. Room was mine. That that got pushed out. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was in my top ten for a while, mm-hmm. and then I saw like four other movies. P.S. I'm loving right now how these are shaping up. Yeah. I love the fact that certain things are already not involved in the conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Why? Because you're you're just because you don't know what's going to happen now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, I like it cuz like yeah. you just basically dropped out like yeah, some of mine really high. Like ones. a lot of movies that are like uh or at least for me as yeah. well. I can't speak for Ronald, but movies that like are big Oscar like or movies that have been talked about nonstop for the past like 3 weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, like so that that kind of puts a flavor on this list. Uh- that is exciting. I'll name two more: Brooklyn and Carol. Oh yeah. What the fu- like? What? A- people are going crazy. People are going for- crazy for these mediocre yeah. fucking movies. Well, man. I actually love Brooklyn. I didn't see I, Carol. Man. I thought I've Brooklyn heard that was Carol great. was beautiful. But it was that's about beautiful. all I've heard about yeah, it. Is I how mean, beautiful like, it was. You know. I don't know, man. It, it makes me wonder about that. The, everything that's going on with the Oscars, like it's it's fucking. They're not. 
I've seen way more beautiful, way more well put together love stories. It's just man, what the fuck? Did you see Brooklyn? Mm-mm. Brooklyn. I, I don't know. I don't even Brooklyn, know what Brooklyn it was. I thought bad. I read a plot description. I thought Brooklyn, Brooklyn was really good, actually. I, it wasn't I, bad, man. I, I feel like Carol and the Danish Girl are the two that I'm hearing more about, like that Oscar like mold film that like mm-hmm. you just yeah. automatically get in by having this kind I'm, of movie. I'm watching like I mean like, yeah. but I thought Brooklyn was like a really sweet like pure story of like you know what freedom and choice and romance is and like I don't know I I did I, I just identified differently with it I, I thought it was, I didn't see Carol but I it's thought, an HBO um, movie to me man that's okay. not an insult yeah, to that no, no, movie yeah I just I just it it is it does have a sense of like it's very I don't know like the word very sweet yeah like almost like too yeah is it small I mean is it too small. It's small. I don't mean small scale, but you, you know, can t- you can tell some like, movies are small in their scope as well yeah. as like their budget. Yeah, it was, their... it wasn't. It looked, it, it, it is. It looked like it was shot in a lot. <laughs> like the parts where they were in Brooklyn mm-hmm. didn't look like they were actually in New York. Like uh, there were things like that that was like, man, this is like a. Uh, uh, they didn't spend a lot of money on the movie, and the fact that it's it's winning all these, it's gonna win something. Mm-hmm. This year, it's nuts. Brooklyn? Yeah. I don't think it'll win anything. You don't think so? Anything? Was it even nominated for anything at the Oscars? I thought it was nominated. Was she nominated? Actress or something. Yeah, I thought she was nominated. Maybe she was nominated. I don't Um, think she'll win, though. I see. But but I know what you're getting at, though. Like, there are certain movies, but this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's kind of cool that... This conversation is already going in a direction that's so different than what, yeah. uh-uh. you know, we kind of like... The Oscar movies are A, B, C, and D, and most mm-hmm. of them kind of check off boxes. But, I mean, I'm sure that some of the movies that we're going to talk about are still movies that are in that big Oscar conversation. There are a couple that I think are going to be up there for both of them. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I feel almost bad about one of mine just because I, I, I really honestly did not start looking at the Oscar noms and the Oscar buzz or any of that stuff until I finished watching movies. So like in the last couple of days, I've caught up with all the critics' best lists and yeah. the, right. the, the awards. And I was a little bummed at at a, the movies that were heavily featured in the awards that I was like, oh, I'm going to give this, I'm going to kind of champion this film that really does not need my help. You know, I, I feel really good about my list. It's just really frustrating because there's a lot of movies that didn't oh, make it that yeah. still would fit that. This movie is for Steve. You yeah. know, like that kind of thing. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like years prior, you know, I maybe have even had ch- a, a challenge in finding movies that like would would exist just for me and not also be a movie that's like an Oscar contender. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, but there's at least like three or four movies on my list that I feel like never came out as like these movies are going to be big critic success box office award contending movies. But like a bunch of them are, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which is a unique thing this year is what I'm getting at. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like there's some movies that come out and I don't want to say like you, you'll say they're guilty pleasures, but they're movies that you just love. And just you love them for just your reasons. And like right. there's nothing else informing you about other people's opinions or like, you know what cultural relevance it has, anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, this just hit every sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. And it's just something I really, really enjoyed. But there's a lot of mov- most of the movies on the top 10 that I have. And he, honestly, like, a broken record here, but like through 25, like this is a year, I could I could pick out, especially past 10, like th- that difference, like they're all <laughs> just as good. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like you could interchange most of these titles. It's, mm-hmm. You know, even when you get down to my top five, I could really switch most of these around, but if you just go for pure, like, one of the things I found when making my list were a lot of the movies that did make my list were movies that I had, like, no preconceived notion of. Mm -hmm. Like, I knew what the movie was only because, like, we're pretty well-tuned to, like, what's coming up and what's coming out. Yeah. 
but I didn't get like word of mouth on it. I didn't read a lot of press reviews on it. I, I kind of maybe even only saw a trailer for it. But a lot of these movies were movies like that. Like, or even if I saw more trailers, I, I wasn't necessarily buying into like a lot of the excitement going into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and you kind of just like went and saw it because you, you, you know, it's going to be probably something you need to see. Yeah. But it was like, wow, like that was way better than mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be. Like, well, that's kind of what I was talking about with just from. it being entertaining. Yeah. Like, a lot of these. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like taking your medicine with a lot of these actual good films this this year. And, and I know it's funny that even, <clears throat> I don't know, I think we all sort of know that we could let ourselves off the hook for lumping in popcorn films with like more intellectual fare or more independent fare because that's what being a movie fan is all about. But sure. I, think, I think this list is always, for me, a chance to do that, to actually quantify that and look at the end and say, which were the ones, either the popcorn movies or the kind of smaller films that 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 did it for me, and back to what you <clears throat> said, Ronald, that did something personally for me. Like, there's a few of these movies that I could hear someone else give a C- minus to, but I, I know my reasons why it made the list is because it struck a chord, you know, and not just because it was you know, I don't know, supposed to be good or because it's being, like like you were saying, Steve, all the nominations, you, you kind of know what the movies are that are kind of pushing to the right, head of the pack. Right, You wouldn't want your list to be full of those, you know? Yeah. You'd feel a little bit lame, but... And I think, like, looking back on our list last year, something that stood out to me, like, in talking about things where you're talking, like, movies that are just, like, pure popcorn movie, like, enjoyment, movies that are, like, culturally, culturally relevant or movies that, like, really don't have a lot going into it, but you just kind of, like, fall into this really great work of art almost mm-hmm. last year like yeah. in our in each of our top five the big three we had big three we had whiplash we had selma and we have guardians mm. which really hit all of those boxes and uh-huh. all three of us had them in our top five but that, that variety i think is still present mm-hmm. this year oh, and for I, me too I, I think it's very it'll be interesting to see if we have i know like yeah. does anyone want to like do you think there's going to be three <clears throat> movies in all three of our top fives yes. this time. You two. Do. I think there'll be two. Oh, in our, in, in our top five? Uh, top five. There'll be two on our top five. Okay, interesting. I think they're... Mm, oh, man. I don't know. I, I'll back your two. I, I think, two. I think oh, my top five two. is kind of crazy. Oh, okay. John, John went rogue. I can see it. No, there's the one that got in there that I, I, was, I was actually mad at the movie and thought I was not liking it. And then when it revealed itself, I... It jumped into my top five, okay. and that's shocking. That's shocking when that happens. When you really are thinking you're not, do you ever do that? You're not yeah. liking a movie, and you're oh, act, yeah. you're actually like getting ready to write down like your bad notes about it or whatever, and then something happens, and you're like, oh, everything I was going to complain about is part of the wow, is part of the movie. Well, yeah, that's actually my my ten is that. Okay, well, let's, is let, let's let's not uh, let's not dilly dally then. Okay, why don't you give us started on your ten? So. <clears throat> I picked this film because I watched it and it shook me up because I had never seen anything like it. I will never see anything like it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing like it, and uh, it's a roller coaster ride of craziness. I'm in. A, I'm, I'm. I dive into this world that I have nothing. I have no attachment to. Uh, Tangerine. <laughs> Was one of the most nuts movies I've ever seen in my I, life. I liked it a lot. I I liked it a lot. Did you see it, Steve? No. It was super fun and, it was, and it funny. Was fun. It was legitimately it funny. Was funny. And and at first, like I'm like, oh man, this is. I I wasn't comfortable to be honest. I was like, can I watch this for an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. Can I get you know so detached from? I'm. I, it's a little scary, a little bit. Like this world is scary. Like. I remember watching documentaries about like hookers and Johns and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and being like, "This this world exists," and like meeting people, th- you know, in my life. Like, this is a real thing. Yeah, and it it is the most authentic 
thing you'll probably ever see this year. Wow. Authentic, man. It is so authentic. You know, it, it would have been higher if it had, you know, it was shot on an iPhone. You know, it's... Right, right. Which, I remember that was the... Which, which is, would make you think, oh boy, I'm in store for something ugly. But yeah, it actually was pretty... Kind of beautiful. Pretty nice looking. And also, I think they used the jittery aspect of, of oh, that yeah. footage. They used it well. You really felt like you were walking along with these characters. And, yeah. and the, what I thought was interesting was that the, the sprawl of the different characters that come into this... And how much? Just I, you know, just to reiterate how funny it was, how much of a comedy it was. I was not expecting it. I think frequently no. this type of subject matter is treated very cinema verite, very, very kind of dull, very sad. Lots of shots of people like staring off into the distance or whatever, or just like mumblecore. Yeah. Just this is this. But I, I mean, you know, these are flamboyant personalities that take some getting used to. But yeah. once you do, I came to really appreciate the humor, and you start to understand. I mean, do you know anything about the film? Yeah. I'm trying to find yeah. it. I, I feel like for listeners that may not know about it, we should... We should uh, I'm going to just read the Wikipedia description here. It's a 2015 American comedy drama that's starring... What are, I just wanted their names. Kitana Kiki Rodriguez and Maya Taylor. Um, and it follows a transgender sex worker who discovers her boyfriend and pimp has been cheating on her. She's just gotten out of prison. She's been locked up for a month. Yeah. And she's back on the street and she's finding out all this shit has happened with Chester, her, her pimp and boyfriend, while she was gone. And uh, the character is Cindy Rella, um, and her friend. What's her friend's name? Alexandra. Yeah. Alexandra and they and they also. are like best friends, and it's kind of like a, <laughs> a a a buddy comedy of sorts between these two characters. Oh, yeah. But because of this milieu, it's this you know again like you were saying, Ronald, a scene that might make you uncomfortable, or maybe you walk past it five times a day and you don't think about the humanity that those characters are experiencing. Oh, yeah. But it throws you in and really expects you to catch up. And by the end, I felt like I kind of. I don't know, it kind of opened my mind a little bit to, yeah, to some definitely. things that, especially sex workers, yeah. to some things that have always made me a little bit squeamish. Uh, same, you know, same. Not, not in a prudish way, but just a yeah, little it's just, squeamish. It's new. It's like, yeah. th these are just people. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, like, people have issues, and mm -hmm. seeing their issues play out in a really weird, frantic way was really cool. And it was shot beautifully. It, it was... Fun, because like, there was one part of it, you didn't know how it fit into the whole thing, and then once it fits in, you're like, oh, oh okay, mm -hmm. this all makes sense. It, it was just put together really well, and I, I was it threw me off guard, because I, I had no intention. I was like, okay, I'll finish up this 2015 thing with Tangerine, see how I like it. It, it made my top 10. Like, yeah. I, it, it, it sat with me. It, I, it was overwhelming how mm -hmm. good it was to me, so I, I enjoyed it. Tangerine. And who directed it? I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> Crazy McCrazy. Sean S. Baker and written by Baker and uh, a guy named Chris Bergock. What do you got, John? All right, my uh, my ten was a movie that uh, I think <coughs> I think you guys have both seen. No, we've talked about it. It's a movie that I really did like a lot, and it was it was an instance of I look at my list and I'm surprised to see how many franchise uh, films there are in my top ten this time. But the, the, the kind of one, the one that snuck up on me the most, and the one that actually has a scene that I did want to address with you guys before we, before we move on from it. Um, but Creed was a film that really, really impressed me with just how effectively it occupied that spot of being like a crowd-pleasing yeah. picture. And I, I wished I had seen it with a big crowd. Like I saw it on a matinee that didn't have a lot of people in it. Sure. And I was thinking like, oh man, I wish, I wish Nikki had come to see this with me, or I wish Henry was a little bit older so that he could appreciate this a little bit more, you know, kind of human stakes drama. Mm. But it just is that kind of film that got me all pumped. And I think we all commented about seeing Stallone 
actually be good in something and being reminded of kind of what we like about him or what people first liked about him. And uh, and I think now, of course, we're thinking about the scandal of, you know, the the, the one acting nomination for the film being for a white person. So that that is that's troubling about <clears throat> this movie. But I don't want that to take away from uh, in my concept of just how strong. Sylvester Stallone was in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you guys, maybe you could help me out. Did I imagine, uh, there's a scene, it's Adonis and his uh, and his girlfriend, and they're on the couch and they're getting it on, and the camera pans over to a turtle watching them have sex? Yeah. Okay, just wondering if yeah, I'd imagine that. Definitely. I just had turtle scene, question mark, written yeah. down next to this film. Because I was like, I, I, only, I only have seen it once, I'll confess. And after afterwards, I was like, wait, did I imagine like... That that's what they pan away yeah. from them, and you hear like smooching sounds on the couch, and there's a turtle in a in an aquarium that's like going. Sex is happening. Said the turtle. What does that turtle think? Do you think they're going to follow up on that in the in the next I one? Hope so yeah. So what do you think? Th- they're supposed to be doing another one. Are you guys hopeful for that? The at prequel all? thing sounds crazy. <clears throat> it sounds weird it? to me that Kugler like, wouldn't be involved, but I'm also extremely excited that Kugler is now the the director of this is now confirmed for Black Panther. Yeah. So I don't know. I really haven't read a ton about it, but I heard this conversation of like it having like a, like a like a two story kind of tandem thing, like where they would have like a prequel, mm-hmm. and but then in tandem with like Adonis's story continuing, like with this next real fight, like and talking about like a Russian again. Yeah, no, that's which, awful. Which like I think he just wants another shot at Rocky Four, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe. Like, uh, well, the thing that I heard that was weird was that mm-hmm. it would be like scenes between Carl Weathers and Sylvester yeah. Stallone, but yeah. using de aging. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know that That's you can de-age right. the current Sylvester Stallone yeah. to Rocky Four era Sylvester Stallone. I it's don't impossible. think he's a different shape now. Maybe they'll do the Tron thing where they like had the oh, just CGI. But, but I mean, like, do you like imagine if the sequel to Creed, this warm, organic surprise of like a, a nostalgia blast and a crowd pleasing movie? Imagine if the sequel is like a CGI monstrosity <laughs> of like digitally composited that faces. Happen, it's not impossible. But also, like, they've created now this thing of that fight in Creed. They refer back to that fight that uh, that Rocky and, and uh, Apollo had that is at the end of Rocky Three, I guess, where they, like, go into the ring and it's just them, just the two of them alone. And that was a nice way to end that film. I feel like Creed already stepped on that a little... You know when they go back and they do the callback and they explain things? I feel like they already stepped on that a little bit too much. That I worry that if they're doing this flashback structure, they would get real cutesy with that stuff of, mm. like... Hey, old buddy. You remember that hap- what happened the last time we fought? I just I worry about the film going down the nostalgia path yeah. rather than following uh, Adonis Creed as he goes forward, which should include Rocky. But I don't think they should make it about the past. Actually, right. if they do a sequel, yeah. but I honestly don't know that it needs a sequel. I, I feel like it is itself a really good sequel. Well, he's got to be a champion, right? That's what, you know, but I mean, he's like, got to win the belt. Well, but I'm saying, like, maybe then do a Creed two in a few years. But like, I don't want to see this rush thing in the pipeline where it's like sure. a rehash of, like you said, Rocky four and so forth. Anyway, okay, so the turtle wasn't my imagination. I'm just glad about that. No, that happened. Yeah, <laughs> there was definitely a sex uh, watching turtle. Um, <laughs> sex watching turtle. <laughs> sex watching turtle. My number ten is actually a movie that barely. Almost made yours that you just mm-hmm. gave us, but I also number ten was Love and Mercy, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Poland's Brian Wilson biopic. Um, I just thought that it was incredibly moving. Paul Dano, John Cusack, especially John Cusack, like in terms of my expectations for him, like I don't know, I kind of had, had had negative feelings about him for a while now. I used to love John Cusack. I really haven't seen him in much that I really have paid any attention to recently. But um, going into concerns about like him 
portraying Brian Wilson and being completely wrong was, mm-hmm. was a really good experience. And Paul Dano, I feel like, is just incredible. Um, I was really disappointed that he didn't get a supporting actor nomination, really, in any of the award season stuff. I mean, he's gotten a couple Guild Awards, but um, I really wish he would have been acknowledged for his performance um, as the, the younger Brian Wilson. Um, just I don't know. Just watching that movie, you talk about emotional moments. Like I feel yeah. like there's there's very there's very little music that will incredibly that just so incredibly moves me than some of the Beach Boys songs. And I I, I mean even about to just talk about this, I feel like I'm getting emotional. But anytime I hear God only knows, I mm-hmm. literally cry. Like yeah, I can't help song. it. Like if I see Carl Wilson sing that song or any, in, in in that movie on the radio, anything, and just this thing about the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to see. I, I know a lot about Brian. I'm a huge Beach Boys fan. I know a lot about what happened and, and his and his issue with his manager and, and doctor and all that jazz. But just to see it on screen and how it was handled with the two times and like just how well they 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 tied the two stories of of, of Brian Wilson together mm-hmm. um, with where he was then and where he is now or the the present time in the film. I just thought it was done so well. Like it just completely shocked me. And I'd heard so many great things about that movie. And it's a movie that really kind of came out late here and, and really wide. I mean, mm-hmm. I had talked to some friends who had seen it um, in 2014, actually, and had just raved about it to me and just like as a, as a small moving film. And it was it was that. Mm-hmm. I mean, a movie that just really got me um, and just uh, stuck with me for a while afterwards. And, and I've seen it a, a second time. And it's just a really, really well-acted film. The screenplay is really good. and But it's really that music. It just... The music just moves me, and and knowing more about it, and knowing that Brian Wilson was kind of like involved with it, and kind of you know gave it his blessing is a really important thing. And uh, you know, I would definitely recommend anybody see that film, especially if you've ever loved the Beach Boys song, to just know more about the genius that gave you that song would be a smart move. Mm-hmm. And it's a great film, so it's uh, number ten on my list. Cool, you're number nine, Ronald. Uh, I'm just gonna breeze through this one. <laughs> Uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Oh, man, I didn't get to see that one, but I, I heard man, great things. <clears throat> it has a different perspective on that sort of situation where, like, a younger, well, teenagers having sex with an adult and having a relationship. I've never seen it tackled the way that this is because it's, it's not from a position of weakness. Mm-hmm. She comes into it knowing what she wants, knowing what she wants to get out of it, and she, she you know, she's still young and, and naive, but I've never seen the perspective... It's always like from a victim point of view, and and I, and I didn't feel like this when I watched it. That movie, it, it's it's really done well. I enjoyed it. Um, definitely one I've got on my list yeah. of two C's. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> my number nine is definitely the one that um, I think we say definitely a lot. Maybe maybe we should track how often if we say definitely more in the best of the year episode because it's like right, we're trying right. to say we're trying to sound authoritative. <clears throat> But um, this is definitely the film that made my list because of just how fun it was and how undiminished it was after I saw it several times and how un, un- annoyed I am that I'm probably going to have to watch it several more times because we own the Blu-ray and my son loves it. But Ant-Man, uh, I had mm. to give it had to give it some love. Uh, of the big entertainments this year, I love that one of my favorites that warmed me up the most was one of the ones that was the smallest with the stakes. And yeah. you know, I still think. Even the stuff that you can kind of feel being the studio meddling with that movie, I don't think that it detracts from the simple arc of what the character is trying to do. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what you sometimes lose in that type of movie is is a sense of a character who's trying to do something relatable. And I think, you know, I, I'm a big Paul Rudd fan. I think we've all probably 
to some extent grown up with Paul Rudd as this guy who's been around, but to see him get not just a big role in a film like this, but, you know, a writing credit and to be on on tap to be part of the force that shapes this character going forward. It's, that's one of those things that they've done in that Marvel machine that I like uh, as far as like, you know, reaching in and, and getting these good, smart people who who... I think know how to put together a crowd pleasing entertainment. So yeah. yeah. As a as a Paul Rudd movie and as a superhero <clears throat> film and as a heist film, I just think Ant Man is a lot of fun. So mm. number nine. My number nine is a documentary called Going Clear. Mm. Um, oh, boy. Which is a oh, good, I didn't think about which a is, television yeah, documentary. So this is a movie that um, I think it was HBO debuted, but yeah. it was uh, a big talk at a, lot, a couple of the festivals. Um Alex Gibney. Who is truly a master of document documentary films? Like yeah. I feel like every or at least nine out of ten of his movies I at least love. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that is a complete mind blower, and it's it just a what the fuck moment. Yeah. Every ten minutes in that movie is a what the fuck moment, and um, it fills in some blanks, questions you've been wondering. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and admittedly, I don't know a lot about Scientology, and I didn't going into it, and I know a lot more now, but I still don't know anything about Scientology. It's yeah. the kind of thing that I walk out of this movie with. Mm-hmm. Um, this documentary is very; they got a lot of access. There's a lot of controversy around it. A lot of people um, he got access to from specifically like in the celebrity world that used to be deep into this this cult um, of religion or whatever it's you want to call it. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. It's just I I just can remember watching this movie and the entire time just like kind of being like wide eyed like holy shit what like how like how is that possible and it just escalates the entire film like in the first ten minutes you hear a what the fuck moment and it just escalates Mm -hmm. exponentially until the end you know and you know and and seeing like people that you know obviously we 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 love the Tom Cruise and you know seeing seeing him in there breaks my heart and like mm-hmm. it's just like what how does i don't know <laughs> i want i can't to, connect I want to know the truth about that i that that interests me more than almost anything else like what does he know what does he I, sanction i couldn't agree with you more how how did how how, yeah. how complicit i mean cuz he seems to be pretty complicit like it seems pretty unavoidable, unforgivable yeah. how complicit he must be. But there's also the possibility that he's so deluded that his complicity has a whole different dimension to it. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I don't know. I just it's just one of those. Come on the show, Croops. Yeah, and, uh, you're always welcome. And Tom. talk to us. Yeah. Um, we'll just, a lot we'll of, disguise your voice. I saw a lot of great documentaries this year, and this was one of them that just, um, again, as we talked about earlier, like kind of going and not knowing a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that this was something that. that you should see, I think, from what people were saying, but in terms of the craft and like, you know, this is a it's a it's a work of authorship. Like like Alex Gibney is trying to say something and he does this in in, in the film. And it's you know, it's as a documentary, it's a doc it's 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 a non fictional thing, but there's a story he's telling and it is just um one of the most engrossing things I saw all year. Yeah. You know, just from front to back, I just couldn't stop just being wowed by like what I was hearing or learning or understanding that really truly exists on the other side of, the, you know, in this world, but like, you know, that is anchored out of this country. You know what I mean? It's just insane to me. Um, but just a wow, what the fuck kind of movie. And it was just like, what a, what a crazy experience to watch that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So going clear, Scientology and the Prison of Belief is the full title, if you want to check it out. It was an amazing documentary. Yeah. You know, I don't have any documentaries on my list this year. One almost... I might, I might want you to... Uh, send, seriously, send me a list of the ones you saw this year, because I don't... I have... In my top I probably 20, have missed some. In my know? top 25, I have five documentaries. Okay. Is it one... Is it the one... I there's there's probably one in there that you're... 
Is there one on your list? It was going to be my number 10. Okay. But the more I think about it, the higher I want it to be. Got it. Just because of what it did to me. Okay. We can talk about it later. What, okay. What's your number eight, Ronald? My number eight is a horror genre film. First and foremost, I, I, I thank you guys every year for getting me interested in the genre, period. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I had no interest. Yeah. I know what you're yeah. I know Freddy. I know Jason. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> the slashers. That's it. The slashers. You knew the uh, the horror equivalent of like professional wrestling characters. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. The superstars. I knew yeah. the Hulk Hogan yeah. and the Rock. Of, you didn't of, know about the backyard shit. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I see a poster months before the movie comes out. It's a woman looking into a rearview mirror, her eyes, and then it follows on the poster these neon colors mm-hmm. i had this this friend that told me that he saw it early in la and that the, the soundtrack was incredible but there's something about how all this stuff works the music the characters the tone of it the muted colors that made for one of the most amazing experiences i've ever had in a movie theater period I've never experienced a lot of these movies I experienced in the theater and that affects everything. Mm-hmm. But I had never been in a theater with a packed house, every every little scare. Mm-hmm. I'd never experienced that. <laughs> and that was I mean, especially for a movie that wasn't a part of a you know, storied history of, you know. Yeah, an original property. Yeah, yeah. original product. That That's a standalone thing. I hope another one doesn't come out. That may have, that may sure. not be a thing, but yeah, It Follows was one of the best experiences I've ever had, horror film-wise, in a movie theater, period. Seeing a movie in the theaters, it was, it was such a fun experience. Ronald, you always have something in your top 10 that I forgot about. Really? Yeah. Last year, it was Raid 2. Which I had convinced myself was like from the previous year because it was one of those weird spring releases that, I don't know, it was just, it came out at a weird time. And I think It Follows came out early in the year too Mm -hmm. and it slipped through the cracks for me. So my, you know, once again, my top 10 is now invalid. I give up. I have no authority (laughs) whatsoever. But no, It Follows really was a unique movie. And I think it's interesting that it's both a movie that fans of horror not everybody, but that, by and large, a lot of people I know who are horror fans embraced it. Mm-hmm. But it was also embraced by this crowd that doesn't always embrace horror oh, yeah. films. And I think that is, I like to see when that happens. I like when a movie kind of, you know, <clears throat> kind of hits that spot of being like an indie film and a kind of more personal s- statement. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, too, uh, let's hope it doesn't have a sequel. Let's hope they don't cheapen yeah, it. Yeah. But it works as both a, 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 a traditional horror film and as kind of a, a more odd uh, statement. This movie and the upcoming movie, which might be the only movies that I've seen that are like of that genre that look like art mm-hmm. and horror together. Oh, yeah. Have you seen The Witch? I, no, no, well, the I, preview. Yeah. Yeah. No, it I looks was, incredible. Oh, fuck, oh, I want to see the movie. And I've heard it's, it's scary as hell, too. It looks like it will Please be. let it be. I know. Yeah. I let have it to, be so. I yeah. have to see that with a good I've, I've had a discussion going with a friend of mine, a writer friend of mine, for years about there not being like a definitive witch movie. Like mm, we don't have a true. definitive... We've it's got true. like the Wicked Witch of the West or whatever, but we don't have like a definitive horror movie. I don't think you necessarily have to have a definitive everything, but you could argue what's the definitive vampire, the definitive werewolf. With a witch, I think it's a... You know, you have a lot of kind of quasi-comedy things, but you don't have a lot of... What about hard... the Blair Witch? Well, I think the Blair Witch is the best one, yeah. and it's still not one that you could call a character. You I know what it. I mean? I agree. As an iconic character. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got it. 
But recently, I heard some people bashing Blair Witch, oh, and I had cool. to jump. You know, do you ever do that where you just have to say, "Absolutely," you have to say, yeah. "Well, I love that movie." <laughs> you have to. The balance of the earth needs right, to yeah. be set straight, because especially when people talk about it, like we all agree it's stupid. Which I think Blair Witch is one of those movies that people do hate on. They do yeah. like to hate yeah. on it, but I don't like when people like oversimplify good things. Yeah, like they're like. Well, it's a movie about a camera and a per. Yeah. Every movie is something like that. You can yeah. explain anything like that. You can make anything sound dumb. Fast and the Furious is people driving cars. My number eight is what I think was your number nine, Steve. Uh, or was it your number ten? Which one was Love and Mercy? Number ten. Your number ten. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love and Mercy. Um, I'm so glad I saw this movie. I'm so glad you recommended it to me after I was extremely skeptical. And I thought with good reason about mm-hmm. John Cusack. Playing old, yeah. and and I especially especially with Paul Dano playing young uh, Brian Wilson, it sure. just didn't seem to work. But it's one of those movies that I feel like I got into the conceit of what they were doing with that right away, mm-hmm. and I said to myself, "Okay, this movie is not concerned with him looking like him." Ah, uh, yeah, no. No. and therefore it kind of frees you up to just say, "Okay, it's movie." magic like i'm glad they didn't put a bunch of prosthetics on him i'm really glad i mean really didn't do anything to make john cusack look like brian wilson he just acted a little different and i thought turned in a really subtle performance and the the, there's a scene at a restaurant where he's talking over dinner and you recognize how uh and it's a casual gathering and you recognize how broken brian wilson is that he's just opening up about something that is extremely uncomfortable for the people listening and it really, I mean, it's like that was the moment when I realized the movie had gotten its hooks in me, yeah. when I was just going like, I feel so bad for this man. And then um, Paul Giamatti, I mean, God, another great, uh, in the in the catalog of Paul Giamatti creepazoid roles, I think that this might be the the worst. He like, played two creeps this year, man. Well, he's, let's maybe, he probably played four creeps, and we were just not thinking of a yeah. couple more. Um, but I thought that was well done. And you know who blew me away was Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. I thought she yeah, was man. so strong she in was. this film. And, and she starts off, and you feel like she's playing a little bit of that that kind of brassy good time gal that she kind of has patented you know yeah. but she develops into something so just strong I mean both the character and the performance and that surprised me and then like you said Steve all the stuff about the music and how it was made I mean it's not an experimental film but it, it does take some chances uh, that you don't expect a biopic to take I think and no absolutely I, I, that's, I was trying to get at that before like I think just the way they kind of like weave the two timelines together mm-hmm. in terms of tone and even just like the, the thematic points that it's hitting at that part in the movie mm-hmm. where the times jump, mm-hmm. I think is so seamless and it just makes so much logical sense yeah. um, for what we're learning about him and, 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 and she is learning about him when you know where she kind of sits in the film yeah um i just yeah i, I couldn't i agree i just thought it worked so well mm-hmm. and it was it did feel different but it worked you know it didn't yeah. feel like it was trying to be something flashy at all or... well it was like the, there's two different people maybe and i feel like the you know again that's the kind of experimental aspect of saying that since he had this psychotic break or since he had this this drifting away from reality he did become kind of a different yeah. person yeah. from his expectations but um uh yeah really emotional and really kind of <laughs> ultimately sweet and yeah, if you're a fan of the music, there's there's a there's a tidbit about one of your favorite Beach Boys songs in there. I guarantee it. You know, yeah, the, absolutely. When they were, the way the good vibrations got built, mm-hmm. what got me like super worked up. Like yeah. I was like, Whoa, I fucking love this song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, my number eight is a comedy that is really funny mm-hmm. <laughs> um which I, I have a feeling may show up on your list uh maybe maybe not but um it's called what we do in the shadows and uh does that, this count 
that 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 awkward look that you both just yeah. gave me. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like this movie was another one that, like Love and Mercy, that had a a limited release uh, in 2014, but finally came out here in early 2015. And I don't know if it was. I don't know which one of us saw it first, but I remember just talking us all talking about it. You know, for a moment, it made my list last year, but because yeah. of the weirdness of yeah, the yeah, schedule, the way it the, makes sense the the, the, the way the timing was. Yeah, I think it got some sort of crazy limited thing, or or yeah. it leaked early, or something happened. Some crazy. But it came out in February in the states, and. Yeah. It's a great example of like this meta comedy just hitting on all cylinders and that I honestly think the movie gets funnier every time I see it. Mm-hmm. And um, Jermaine Clement and what is, what is it? Ta- Taika Waititi? Taika Waititi. Um, yeah. yeah, Taika Waititi. Waititi, yeah. Um, who, who is, who is on amazing. tap right now. He's directing the next Thor film. Really? Yes. Wow. What? I didn't, I didn't and, know and I think co-writing it. Like he might be doing what? a script Get polish. Get out of here. It, when was that announced? I like a, a few months ago. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I did not know he's that. Been da- maybe it was announced a few months ago that he was being considered. But My yeah, they, they, brain they, is they melting. They tapped him right to direct it, right? But but I mean, based on wow, I didn't know that. But but I mean, based on what we do in the shadows. Yeah. Like Marvel is looking for these interesting directors. Right. I mean, like they pick James Gunn. Yeah. You know, they're gonna. Wow. They want to do the same thing with Thor. I mean, you'll, obviously they want that franchise to have a little more luster on it. Yeah. And I think that like. They can Holy trust crap. him to bring. I don't know all the thing, all the things he brought to, to that film, which are surprising. You know, there's there's comedy, there's heart, there's there's a lot of stuff that you don't expect. Yeah, just yeah. A, a blast of a comedy of a genre comedy. You know, it's mm-hmm. got like the elements of, of of the vampire world and even some great werewolf jokes and just um, <laughs> and some and some and some like just kind of creepy, scary parts. I mean, you know, that are kind of wink, wink, but just like, a great, fast, easy enjoyable watch that is just so funny like the the writing the comedic writing in that film is i mean is is the funniest thing i've probably i've seen this year i mean like it is hilarious yeah and then to make it about like these three vampires just the the how mundane life is like (laughs) outside of being a vampire and being a vampire it's just it's just a a great watch and a a blast to watch so what we do in the shadows number eight Mm-hmm. It's a great comedy. Uh, so w- w- is it number, number seven? seven. Yep. Uh, my number seven is Mad Max. Uh, great movie. It just fell down my ding, list. Ding, ding, ding. I can piggyback because it's my number seven. Really? Too. Yeah. Great pick. It was... <sighs> the fact that it was done, a lot of it was done on green screen and stuff like that. It, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell. It was some of the most clever integration of... Yeah. of digital manipulation with actual stunts yeah. i think because even even within that they created a look that was distinctive even the stuff that you could tell was not quite fully this is happening on set and they're filming this yeah. was was interesting looking you know what i mean i think that that was the key thing is that there was just was not a detail that wasn't considered hmm. and it was something that i i went back you know now i'm looking at george miller's movies and i'm seeing that he is a guy with a very just he was a guy whose style i had not thought about that right. all these years of being a movie fan i had never really looked into the degree to which he puts together odd worlds he creates he, his movies are very creative very yeah. visually stylish you know it's it's written like the detail it almost reminds me of like the way that you know you watch Star Wars and there's like fifty things going on in the background. What is what's that? What's mm-hmm. that thing with the spike? What is that? It's that's it's crazy that somebody does an action film mm-hmm. that's a little more rugged that has the same sort of detail. And he's like, what is he like seventy something? I think he's seventy. 
Yeah, he's he's and killing it, like making an amazing movie and coming back after all this time and not. Well, I think we remarked on this when we did our episode Schmatch Max earlier this year, which I would Mm. recommend if you haven't listened to it, (laughs) check it out. But watch all the movies first because we kind of spoil them. But it's a good overview. But um, just the fact that he came back and did something that wasn't geezery in the least, you know, I Mm -mm. think that was so. Again, you can't predict it, and and George Miller is. Like, he has my interest now. He wants to make smaller films, you know, obviously, he said, that are easier to make before he goes back out to the desert. Um, and actually, there was a little bit of garbled reporting. There was a story that went around that last week that, yeah, he, that, he, that he said he wasn't going to direct yeah. it, but he actually came out later and said that was a, we had a bad connection and they must have missed a few words. Because oh, wow. what he's been saying is he doesn't he wants to make something, you know, uh, something similar to what Alejandro uh, Inuratu has been saying, which is he wants to make a movie that takes place in a room and stars two people, you know, uh, to, as a, to get away from these crazy films out in the wilderness or out in the desert right, or whatever. Right. But um, I, the reason I was, you know, when I was thinking of what I was going to say about Fury Road, because it is, uh, it is my number seven, so I know I wouldn't be going into as much depth with it, is just... That it blew my it, it just blew my face off, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like absolutely. I don't know how often you see an action film that gives that gives you that feeling of just I I was amped up the entire time and I left all excited and I wanted to go talk to people about did you see this did you see that you know yeah. there were other movies that gave me a similar charge at a at at the theater this year but that was one that was just from beginning to end kind of relentless. And I loved the the character through action aspect of it. I loved that there was a lot of comedy that came from action and, oh, and yeah. even a little bit of pathos and a little bit of surprising uh, depth. And in Furiosa, uh, I think Charlize Theron, we can see her, you know, I mean, she's played a few what we might argue are our iconic roles, but I think this is definitely, definitely one for the ages. A lot yeah. of people latched onto this character. Cult following. Yeah. I think that this movie is like has all the... The beginnings of something like nuts. I mean, like Mad Max already has a following, mm-hmm. but this did something else to the series. Yeah, it, it, it rejuvenated it in a way that one other movie did on my list. Mm-hmm. So that was your seven, John. That was my seven. My seven. Not going to talk a lot. It was. It follows. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I um, I would have to piggyback with what Ronald said about <laughs> watching. Like we we had this one of our first episodes we ever did about movie movie was watching a horror movie in a theater versus at home. Yes, yeah. it was a big important. conversation that you and I had. It's still a great topic to, to discuss because a lot of people have a strong feeling one way or the other. But I I will agree. I actually will say this was a unique experience because I did not see this movie with a large crowd, Aww. but I saw it in a theater with maybe four people, five <laughs> people, and it was. Terrifying. That was my experience too. <laughs> because I think this is the kind of thing like where a horror movie in the theater, you know, you can you can feed off of an audience or it can feed into the atmosphere. Oh, and yeah. I think this was the experience where it was the latter of the two, where like literally Aaron and I are sitting and there are certain parts in the film where things are happening and like my peripheral just picks up like a dark area of the theater where there is no physical body. Yeah. But I swear I saw something, you yeah. know, or it's playing on my spatial awareness. Yeah. And uh <laughs> And and, and it, it is a movie where I'm mean, I'm very happy that uh, uh I mean it's a I'm, movie about how scary it is to look over and see a person there exactly yeah, which you know is exactly so, scary. so and that, but I mean that's the point though I'm kind of getting at a little bit too is that like when there's only like six people in the theater or five or whatever I'm saying you think you're, you're the ratio of if it was one of them I have a pretty good chance of knowing right. who it was you know mm-hmm. that kind of things in the back of your mind but it's just like the kind of thing that just the 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 the, the idea like John just said of this story is extremely creepy cuz as soon as you walk out of the theater you're walking into a lobby full of tons of people and 
absolutely one of them is walking towards you. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're 100% guaranteed somebody's walking towards you. They, you their eyes may even be focused yeah. over your shoulder in, in such a way that you think they're looking right Pat, at you. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just it's just completely terrifying. And and it's it's awesome to have a top 10 film be another horror movie. You mm-hmm. know, a couple summers ago we had it, I think, with Conjuring. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I love being able to talk about horror movies. I like that something as original as It Follows came out. I, I personally was a bit disappointed by like the Babadook, which I thought had a lot of buzz going into it. But It Follows was the opposite of that, where I didn't really have a lot of awareness. I knew I had some recommendations from some friends of mine that had seen it. And uh, it was met on all accounts. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and I've watched it multiple times. I've recommended it to the friends who enjoyed it as well. Um, but it is such a simple movie. Like it is so clean yeah. and so minimal that it is that when something does happen, um, it's that much more heightened. Yeah. And it's just um yeah, it's just a really, really great little horror movie that um I admire the filmmaker for making and I love the fact that Quentin Tarantino tried to tear the logic of it apart and the director like writes right back to him on Twitter to be like, yeah. No, yeah, not really the case. Like you know, there, there's there's logic behind what I did. Yeah. I mean, not that that matters at all, but that's like a filmmaker who gets the, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like the, the horror movie logic, you know, like right. what's the what's the, the, the reasons or the story or like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Like the rules, yeah. the rules of the horror film. Like that's kind of what we're being poked at. And I like the idea that like he was so sure of his rule that like, you know, he can kind of like. I don't know. Not that it matters, but say something back to Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, right. You know. Well, I mean, at least to say you missed the point that these characters that no, at no point has anybody does anybody actually express any official rules. Exactly. This is, this is just what they've managed to figure out. Yeah, they they've kind of like through trial and error and being victims of something have mm-hmm. figured out A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. D, E, and F might also exist, but who knows? Like yeah. I don't know, and they yeah. don't either. And it's kind of cool to go through a movie where like they're kind of trying to figure it out, and. Uh, just, yeah, just an awesome horror movie. Yeah. Apparently, Tarantino's figured out the rules. Yeah, he, he should just go make a horror well, movie, like he, is, he said. He, you know, right? He I said he wants it. to, but he doesn't think he could, and maybe that's part of why. Maybe he would get too caught up in the entanglement the of, it? Yeah. of it and wouldn't be able to just say, "Let's have this elemental." Let's just make this. Yeah, yeah. let's just. But anyway, yeah, I think it, it, it follows as a film that I feel bad for forgetting. Who knows where it would have been on my list because I remember even thinking, Steve, I wish there was a horror film on this list. <laughs> and I thought, too bad It Follows came out last year. <laughs> and I just went about my day. Because so. it seems like it did. And I'm you just like, lived your life. Well, I mean, I went to several sites to look for movies released in 2015 to kind of cross-reference. Yeah. And I swear certain things are just not... I mean, I don't know where there is an official list. Well, I mean, I think it just depends on what you're... How how those lists are being cultivated because like if they're going by the academy or the ample rules like mm-hmm. there are very specific ways to determine what right what, but what if you're going but out. if you're just going over like when did I have access to seeing this right. movie you know well festival it, it, releases kind of confuse things sometimes, exactly I guess exactly it does because that was one that was definitely out yeah and you know whatever we'd heard about 14, it like for quite a while it, it was supposed to come out like they would planned on it coming out in in the Halloween time of 2014, but mm-hmm. it didn't end up coming out, I want to say, until like February mm-hmm. or March of 2015. Um, kind of like what they're doing with The Witch. Like they yeah. thought they were going to release it around the, ho- the Halloween season and they've kind of been like, no, let's kind of hit that February, March That must be a good, a good spot yeah. for a horror yeah, film. Yeah, it must. But yeah, number seven, it follows. All right. Ronald, number, number six. Number six. Okay. Uh, number six. Uh, it is a $15 million movie that looks like a $50, $50 million movie. $50. <laughs> <laughs> What's it <to> say? <laughs> uh, 
Um, it was really low on Steve's list, which made me sad. But it is very high on my list because it is fucking amazing, and that is Ex Machina. Um, I I don't think I've I don't think any film this this year besides Star Wars. Hey Ronald, huh? My number six is Ex Machina too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. Holy shit! Did you guys share a note by accident? That's crazy. I don't think any movie made me feel the way that this movie feels. And the dance scene alone. Oh man! Oscar Come Isaac on. dancing with. Uh, I don't want to. I, I don't want to spoil. Well, I don't know. I feel like we're halfway in spoiler land with with this because we're assuming people have seen some of these. But yeah, they're way beyond. Actually, <laughs> this movie's been out funny. <laughs> there are some twists and turns. Let's just say when he's dancing yeah. with the robot girl. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. I'm not giving too much away That's by not saying that. Away but that much. moment seems to be a mm. moment that everyone loves. Like I loved it. Mm. I said it to you guys. You were like, I know. And then since then, I've seen several people like you know. There's been a lot of Oscar Isaac love surrounding Star Wars. Definitely. And there's a lot of people crushing on him. And there's been a lot of lists of like top five things Oscar Isaac did just right. And all of them have. <laughs> Have the dance scene in uh, in Ex, Ex Machina. Machina. It's a moment that comes out of nowhere. It's a moment of humor and like lightness in amidst amidst all this dark stuff and this disturbing stuff. Yeah, and it really does kind of point to one of the things I love about that movie, which is just how magnetic the uh, character that Oscar Isaac plays is in terms of. You know, you don't come out of this movie thinking he was a great guy at all. No, no. But you do kind of. You can see why someone would fall for his bullshit. I guess. Absolutely, I love that movie. Yeah. And I and I ask anybody that says, "Oh, I, I want to see something kind of sci-fi, X Machina yeah. every time." So, what was? Did you say that was a? How much of a budget was that? Fifteen million. Fifteen. Wow. Yeah. How much did it make? Thirty. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Six or thirty-eight. It's been on a lot of lists, or it's been getting a lot of you know, like especially genre fans. I think really latched onto how this is a movie that, like you said, hits that spot of a. Of a just a neat little sci-fi film. Yeah, man, it's it's it should not look that gorgeous and be you know, it's I've seen way more expensive movies that look like absolute shit. You know, right? Green Lantern being one of them. <laughs> and it the is green um, Lantern. Is the, that what it is? The Green Lantern with with Gosling. I mean, with uh, Reynolds. Yeah, that movie was definitely more than fifteen million dollars. And that oh god, really yeah. like that was shit. a that was a bomb. Yeah, that was like crazy, a, man. What comic is Green Lantern? Uh, is that DC? Yeah, DC. Yeah, that ring. They're supposed to be making another one or something like. I that. I don't know what they're gonna do with that character. I think that they're they should just stop it. Like, maybe is it gonna be in what's her name though? Uh, Justice League. I don't know. I mean, he's he's a pretty big character in the comic yeah. realm, but I don't know what they're gonna do in the movies. Kind of like with Fantastic Four, you get to a point where you wonder if the if it's tainted somehow, yeah. but no, Ex Machina definitely, and you know, it's notable in the sense, wasn't it written and directed by Alex Garland, yep. who yeah. who had prior to this had had has he directed anything no. before? He's written some pretty big sci-fi films though. Yeah. He wrote twenty the twenty-four the what are those vampire not vampire zombie movies, fast running zombies. The tw- hours later, uh, twenty-eight days. Twenty-eight days later, later. I thought he wrote those. I yeah, he did. And he did Sunshine too, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is such a good movie, by the way. Have I'm, you guys I've ever never seen, seen that? That has. A... It's like a. It's not like an amazing thing, yeah. but like what a what a like. What do you call it? Um, underappreciated mm. sci-fi movie. It has... Sunshine. Twenty-eight days later. Twenty-eight weeks later, uh, as executive producer, so he didn't write that. And then he wrote Never Let Me Go and the screenplay to Dread. Never Let Me Go. Dread what is so that? Good. Oh, that's that, a, is that that horror film? No, that's like a Carrie Mulligan. Like, uh, is that one of those like yeah. British? 
It's a British dystopian alternate history romantic drama film. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, but, and then also, he's his next movie that's coming up uh, next year, uh, sometime in 2017, a movie called Annihilation, which he's writing and directing. And it was, I read, it's based on a novel that I've read. And it when I'd heard that Alex Garland was tackling this this novel, um, it, it couldn't be couldn't be a better director or writer for this for the source material this could mm. be a real i mean annihilation could be uh cross genre horror sci-fi this i could see i could see it being on our list if it's, really? if it's as good when as it is that could coming be. out it comes out in 2017 you read the book the book is creepy and it's kind of sci-fi and Who, who's a book by it's by, uh, jeff vandermeer is his name annihilation mm. it's it reminds me it's you know it's not like lost but it has that sort of like here. There's a weird locale, and they're trying to figure oh. out what's going on with it. But it's got real, real weird undertones, and it's actually part of a, a trilogy of short novels. That if the you know if this movie is good, I could see them turning it into a you know. Wow. Again, not a franchise because that always kind of seems to cheapen it a little. But like this, this is a very it's a very bizarre book. It's very arty in a lot of ways, but it still has some really creepy stuff in it, and it's got like some. It's like kind of a uh, a vaguely futuristic uh, setting, you know. So anyway. So that was my my number six as well. My number six is uh, Inside Out, Pixar. Um, Interesting. Yeah, number six. Wait, one, ten, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> yeah, six. Inside mm-hmm. Out. Um, damn, I wish a movie like this existed when I was a kid. Yeah, mm. that's all I really want to say about it. Um, we talked about it a bunch on the show. We gushed. It's great. Yeah, it, it's it's great. Uh, Pixar just. <laughs> Um, in a year where they've also released probably their first bomb, it, we you know we we've talked. They yeah. maybe also released one of their best movies, mm-hmm. um, and, and as a matter of opinion. But just the way that they're able to cut you know to articulate and clarify and and just explain things that make so much sense, and that are so original and 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 genius and 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 to making it comprehensible is just um, for a kid of a certain age like being able to experience a movie like that is is. I mean, I don't know. It's like life changing. I'm sure. Mm, yeah. You know, if it hits that sweet spot, like as an adult, it kind of sort of made me like a light bulb go off in my head, mm-hmm. which is sad, but also a great thing. That's a great way to look at it, Steve. <laughs> wishing you'd had that movie when you were a kid, because it is true that a kid can now process that. Yeah. That which which was like a, a, something for grownups too. Like yeah. it, we all felt that kind of shift of oh man, this is this is pretty deep. So imagine, yeah, imagine somebody giving you that level of your brain that level of respect when you were yeah, a kid exactly no absolutely and that's what it is it's it's it's, it's like not it doesn't have to be dumb mm-hmm. it doesn't have to yeah. be it, it can be silly it can be fun but it's also there's no reason why smart can't also be a part and or the anchor of that equation yeah, yeah. and it's a great example of that so inside out number six okay <sighs> oh boy you can see we're all sitting here we're all kind of looking wow. nervous we're all shifting around but Oh man! So any any this is any, it. anything anybody want to say before we we take the deep dive into the I still love the you guys. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. I love you guys yeah, no matter what happens. happens. Whatever happens, we're all still friends. All right, all right. <clears throat> I guess who's going first? You. Okay, my number five is Sicario. Ah, Sicario shook up my world. Mm-hmm. I had never seen an action film like this before. I, I don't like. I don't like. Um, so one of the things that I I didn't really like about Narcos. Is Narcos seemed to have a barrier, you know, like talking about the Netflix series. Yeah, it was Narcos. implied. It was implied ruthlessness without the ruthlessness. There was, so, you know what I mean. Like I, I want, I want to know how terrible, how wretched a lot of this stuff is, 
and I need it to be played out so I understand why it's so terrible. Mm -hmm. Tell me why it's so terrible to go to this country and, you know, try to police a group of people that don't need to be policed or or can't be policed or, you know, it's something about this movie's approach to that that shook me up, man. I don't ever want to be involved in a drug trade. I don't ever want to do drugs. I don't ever, you know what I mean? There's like, a world you just don't want to be part yeah, of. Yeah, the heavy stuff, you know what I'm talking about. This, the, like, it's just so scary seeing mm-hmm. how that, that stuff is. Um, and Sicario was definitely a, a good representation of that. So that's it. And that's Dennis Villeneuve, yeah. who was a mm-hmm. director I think we've all sort of grown to. Oh, yeah. Like, do we know what he's doing next? Didn't we hear this? Uh, we did talk about it. I don't, I don't remember oh, what Oh, is it he was. Uh, Blade Runner? Yes. So he's doing the next Blade when Runner. When is Blade Runner coming out? Is that 2017, I think 2018? So. I think somewhere in there. Man, it's, I just want things to happen now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so <laughs> effing sick of waiting. Well, there's enough coming up oh, soon, man. but it's true that, yeah. like, you, the thing that, I don't know, it's funny that we do that. We see these big movies coming, and then then there's other stuff that is, we're looking forward to by the time they actually come around. You yeah. Know? And uh, it's rare that one of them is actually big enough to kind of uh, overcome that. And that, my number five is one of those movies. C- come on, Star Wars: The Force Awakens <laughs> had to be in my top five. It just had to be. I, you know, there was a there was a version of this list that didn't have Star Wars on it, and then there was a version of this list that had Star Wars at the top of it, and then there was a version yeah. that had Star Wars at ten. And I finally realized like it deserves the top five ranking just because it delivered for me on so many levels. Mm. I had so many expectations coming into it. It delivers that I'm going to give it that spot so that I don't have to assess the movie itself versus the experience and the fun of seeing the movie. I think that there's a lot of other movies on my list that might have been more carefully scripted or more carefully conceived mm. or whatever. But Star Wars is such a big thing. It takes into account so many elements, so many characters, so many implications, so many things in past films it has to answer for. And I just thought it was, uh, you know, like distancing myself from the kind of fanboy part and saying it just it 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 achieved so much for one movie to pull off but seeing it a second time really did we theorized I, did, it we is. theorized that it you relax and you appreciate the movie oh, yeah. more and um i i remember thinking that all my little issues or my little nitpicks with the script the second time i was like you know even though it may be a little bit you can see that development process in the movie you can, you hear about scenes that were cut or things that were changed and you can see a little bit of that in the film of like edits being they're they're taking a lot on faith that you're just going to take the leap with them to the next plot point but that's what swashbuckling entertainment yeah. is supposed to be i would say that the second time really allowed me to appreciate how tightly scripted it was given how often one of those little questions i had was <laughs> referred to in a line and then called back to in another line yeah. and the first time through i just don't think you catch a lot of that <clears throat> mechanics i even think that the climax uh, with the X-wing fighters destroying the base was a lot more interesting to me the second time too because I was able to to at least figure out like what their challenges were. Sure, mm-hmm. I wasn't just going, "What's going to happen to Han Solo? What's going to happen to Han Solo?" The whole yeah. the whole time, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so my number five. Uh, well, I, a lot of these movies when I put them on my list, I put something next to them. But next to this one, I just wrote, "Come on, yeah, you know, yeah. it's Star Wars and it's good, so it's in my top five. My only gripe with that movie is. I wish that when they destroyed the oscillator that it was a trap. So that that mm-hmm. <laughs> could have said for the second time, it's a trap. <laughs> I love when he says that. I think he should have had like a sandwich <laughs> that, that was like on a tortilla and said, it's a wrap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have loved that. <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> 
I've been waiting to make that, that joke. <laughs> Is that what was really written next to it? <laughs> Come on, it's a wrap. It's yeah. a wrap. <laughs> Come on, comma. It's a wrap. Gotta get both of them in there. Oh god. Who who's it's me, actually. I'm not gonna waste any time. I had I put at number five also. All right, cool. So Really? Yeah. I know it was moving oh, around shit. for you. What, yeah, what, what yeah. was it that cemented number five? Honestly, like I was second guessing myself so much about mm. whether I should allow this movie to split my list, mm-hmm. knowing like it's it's like the pure fan you know, yeah. it's, it's like the fanboyness. Right. It's the easiest thing in the world to love. To to throw into the Yeah, but and that's what was like i agree with you that there are points where like how is it not gonna be number one? I've seen it four times, yeah. you know, like but there's some things to be said about like other content on my list, but it's like I don't know. The more I thought about it, and with some uh, some uh, support from my friends, yeah. <laughs> it was you know I think the I think the safe place for it was for me to let it split my list because yeah. it deserves to be in something because it was one of the best times I've had in the movies this year. Right. So if this is a personal list. It's got to be, it's got to be sitting in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So Star Wars was in number five of me, and that is for me too. Interesting to note that that was. The, there are four franchise uh, films in my top ten, which is unthinkable. That's, that's yeah. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Mad Max Fury Road, Ant-Man, which I consider yeah. part of the Marvel franchise, Definitely. and Creed. Yeah. So, like, that's it's pretty amazing that... <laughs> and that they're also different, but they all, like you were saying, Ronald, about the kind of action movies, having more on your list yeah. than you expected. But, you know, those are those were all big movies that, that want to entertain a huge audience, you know? Yeah. And they did. Definitely. Cool. Um, number four. Number four. Oh, it's getting it's getting, tight. getting close. Is uh, Quentin Tarantino's offering the hateful eight? Did, right. did you say Clinton? Quentin. Quint- okay. Did I say Clinton? For some reason, I don't know. Maybe I might have, man. Honestly, I'm mind. a little sick. Okay. Have a stuffy it's, it's nose. Yeah, we should, tell, we should tell the listeners the that, that you you alerted us to the fact that that uh, you had a fever when you got here, mm-hmm. which both. Could piss us off because you could be exposing us. I'm to very those impressed, terms. but I'm also a little worried. But also the fact that you you said that shows how important the show is. Yeah, yeah. shows so super important. We yeah. appreciate that. I just want the people out there to appreciate. Yeah. It. <clears throat> it's a trap. <laughs> oh, you miss it. It's a wrap. Yeah. It's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta bring that call yeah. back. <laughs> it just happened. Call it back already. <laughs> um, All right. So the hateful eight. Tell hateful us about eight. it. We haven't had a chance to talk about this one. Okay, cringeworthy in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, but I think, don't you think trying to be? Yeah. It's the don't first, you think it wants to make you uncomfortable? Yeah, it's the first time that the N-word was used as a punchline more than anything I'd ever heard in the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason. I think it's a timeliness to it. Like, I think that there's a reason why he's, he takes on some of the things that he does, especially lately. Um, I, I, I really thought it was a super cool movie that felt like I was in the room. Yeah. I felt like I was in the room with those guys. Yeah. As they were trying to figure out this mystery, who did what, who did, and then once the second half started, I saw the the road show version. Mm-hmm. Um, fun experience. Yeah, I would I would say when ranking experiences at the movies Damn, this year, man. Force Awakens like narrowly edged out, and just in terms of going to see a screening and feeling like it was something kind of special. Oh yeah, Hateful Eight really was uh, an interesting night, at the, and just seeing like. The, the crowd that showed up for it and how into it and how like how ready for whatever yeah. they, they, they were. I thought that was a really cool part of that. And Tarantino really is one of those few directors that he can subvert expectations left and right. You don't really know what type of film he's going to make. It's going to be a Tarantino film, but you don't know, you know what I mean, how funny it's going to be, how violent it's going to be, whatever. Oh, yeah. You don't know if you're going to like anybody in it. You don't know if the guy you think is the hero is going to die in the first half hour or whatever. I think that is, it's rare to have a director who has that level of you're going to see a Tarantino film, yeah. not to see, you know, whatever it is. 
in in hearing one of the most cringeworthy stories of all time. Oh, the one, yeah, the one yeah. Bef- right before the intermission. Right before the intermission, just unreal. Yes, very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, Ugh. I mean, but, I, feel, I did feel really squeamish at different points during yeah. that movie, you know, yeah. and, and and to the point where I was like, am, am I liking this? You know, yeah. seeing a woman get knocked around a lot mm-hmm. is, is super weird to me, but yeah. A lot of people yeah. are talking about that. I think the misogyny and the racism in the movie is all very calculated. And oh, I think yeah. you could really debate what it's trying to say. I I think sometimes sometimes what Quentin's doing is like, this is this is America. This is this yeah. is whatever it is, this polished per thing that you're seeing is not what it was. And it was very much this sh- shitty dark thing. Mm-hmm. Like it there were a lot of really terrible people. I don't know. I kind of like that. I kind of like this like a mirror to some of the realities of whatever the country was at Mm -hmm. one time. Yeah. It it still is in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, the title comes right out and says The Hateful Eight. You know, you're not expecting there to be any nice folks. You're going to have some shittiness. But you might be thinking you're going to have a heroic character or two. But like even the character who seems the most heroic uh, is the one who in that in that monologue you're talking about confesses to, uh, you know, just one of the most cruel acts that's, that is described or shown in the film and oh, yeah. so like it, you don't forget that later when you're admiring this character for kind of being able to put together the answer to the mystery you don't forget the, what he revealed about himself yeah. you know yeah and yeah just some great acting I did sometimes feel like these characters were kind of cartoonish oh yeah but I, I, I came out of it going that was <laughs> that was also calculated yeah you know that it was supposed to be bigger than life personalities what did you think of Hateful Eight Steve? Um, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where it falls in the Tarantino world for me. Probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my biggest, I don't know, like, I, and this is such a cheap gripe, it's just I felt that it was like unnecessarily long. Mm. I just felt like, yeah. I, I felt like, um, you know, I don't know. Hmm. I felt like the mystery element of it really got me, you know, like kind of like figuring out the... Like, what's the angle here? What's wrong with this picture? It's kind of like picking out what's wrong. Um, a lot I really liked about... I mean, I, as with most of his films, I think the screenplay was great. I think all the dialogue driving the film was great. Yeah. Um, everybody in the film, I thought, was really good, if not great. Um, I thought yeah. Walt Goggins was excellent in it. Almost almost like a VI, or MVP for me. Um, Samuel L. Jackson was really great, though. Like, he, yeah, he, he, but, he, but he's always really great he in, is, in but Quentin we, films. I, I, that's true, but I still like to see him in the Quentin film every so often because it reminds me of how subtle and nuanced he can actually be. Oh, for sure. And not for just sure. doing an impression of, you know, Snakes on a Plane guy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. It didn't make... Uh, it would probably fall somewhere lower in my, like, <laughs> top 25. Yeah. But um, definitely yeah. better than I thought it would be. Mm. I kind of went into it not really... As excited as I normally am for a Tarantino film, but mm-hmm. um, well, I love the the confined. I like a bunch of characters confined in a particular space. I like yeah. those stories, and I like the kind of the murder mystery aspect is dovetailing with that yeah, that you're talking yeah. about. And I do think that aspect of it that made it kind of a genre piece within a genre piece from him was really interesting. And I do look forward to whatever. I mean, it's easy to talk about what Quentin Tarantino just said because he's he, he's got he's loud and a lot of people print what he says and sure. he says he's very outspoken but I do think he's we've talked about this before how it's just like we all sort of ad- admit to ourselves that we think he's one of our most interesting filmmakers I mean you, you, oh, he's yeah. an original in a lot of ways even though he's also very derivative in a lot of ways he's just a challenging 
person to categorize in that way. Yeah. So I'm always up for what he's going to do. But I agree with you, Steve. Some part of me thought, I don't know that this needed to be so long, but I do think that something about the unwieldiness of it, the length of it, going to see that roadshow uh, presentation with the overture and the, and the intermission and the program, it did make me think there's something about this that's making me soak in this movie a little bit more than I normally would this type of subject matter. Right, and if right. it were a tight two-hour movie, I don't, I don't know that the experiment that he was trying to conduct would have fully been conducted, which was, can you get people to come out for like a night at the movies? Like this felt like a big, a big deal to go see this movie. Um, uh, Flaws and all. So yeah, it was actually number 14 for me. Well, my number four is uh, the movie I was mentioning earlier when I said that it was a movie that, that, that I found myself, I was annoyed by like Mm -hmm. two thirds of the way into it. And then I finally got on, got a clue of what they were doing Mm -hmm. in the movie. And, uh, I don't want to say too much more about that because I think that it could be a spoiler, but Anomalisa. Oh, God damn it. Co-directed by Charlie Kaufman and Duke Johnson, who I guess is an animation or stop motion yes. guy. And then it's written by Charlie <laughs> Kaufman. But we know him as the guy who writes these these mind-bending, uh, but also very mundane films. You know, <laughs> movies that are actually, when you sum them up, they're pretty depressing films. Charlie Kaufman seems to be a guy who really delves into the kind of darkness that's inherent in, in people and specifically like in their relationships that they have, how toxic relationships can be. And Anomalisa is a movie that uses a very peculiar form of stop motion animation. Like there were some moments that were very realistic almost, almost in an un, uncomfortable way. Uh, we've, I don't know, have we talked about the Uncanny Valley much on this show? Mm-mm. You know what the Uncanny Valley is though? It's no. the... It's the distance between something that is like a person and a person, and that the un, the lack of comfort that you feel at the differences. People usually use it in reference to like Polar Express, like that style of animation. Oh, I hate that's that like movie. photorealistic, but kind of not. And so the people you feel like you're in a world of of soulless androids or something, and it can be kind of discomforting. And it's like I remember being a kid and being disturbed by the Thunderbirds, the marionette. Mm. Uh, show because you're in this world and it's like there's no people there but they're walking around and they're very much like people but they're not people and it's a little bit like a nightmare that you would be in this world and be like what's wrong with this world Anomalisa gave me the creeps in that way I felt like I was in a it was a it was a disorienting alienating feeling like right from the beginning Um, but it's you realize that's part of the point of the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. everything that I want to comment about that I would that I, I even still I think the way that the the way that they created these stop motion puppets was the top half of their face is a different piece than the bottom yeah. half of their face. And they never disguised that line, that no. divide between the brow piece and the but face then piece. It opens up for some people. It opens Yeah, we don't want to I don't know. I don't know what that was about. But like I, I think that what's interesting is but they that becomes a part of it. The yeah, way that yeah. the faces work becomes a part of it and when you realize what there's a deeper realization later that affects that. It it made it very conceptual, and I found myself kind of having a... It's not a twist film, exactly, but it is a twist film in the sense that there's something that happens near the end that causes you to kind of recontextualize everything you've seen, and you realize what you've really been watching is a very mundane thing. What they're really spelling out is a very mundane thing, which is that tendency of a person to be attracted to a person for a certain reason and how fragile those feelings are and how those feelings can change and what it says about you when you're attracted to a person and what it says about the person when, you know, the traits they have that you find appealing. Are you finding traits that you can manipulate or are you finding traits that really lift you up and make you feel whole, you know, when you find that other person? It's David Thewlis. (laughs) 
and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee who play the, the 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 two main characters. But like I said, but and all the other voices are by Tom Noonan. But yeah, why why that that thing almost just seems like a little conceptual idea, but it really pays off as the movie goes along. You understand why why they did it that way. Um, but still a very disturbing film in a lot of ways oh, and depressing, is. but had just enough warmth and just enough uh, kindness in it that Charlie Kaufman always manages to kind of soften the blow a little bit in his movies. So. Not an altogether unpleasant experience, but I did write down uh, that it was off-putting and difficult, but worth the trouble. Mm. Anomalisa. <laughs> All right, my number four um, film of 2015 mm. is going to be Ryan Coogler's Creed. Um, what? What's it? Four. Okay. Um, <laughs> what? The commonality of a lot of these films I have in my top five, they're all movies I've seen at least two or three times. Mm -hmm. And I made it a point to go back and see Creed multiple times, once to show my wife, and then again to watch it again myself. And for being a movie that really, um, I, admittedly, like there's zero interest on my part to see this movie at the beginning <laughs> of 2015. Mm -hmm. um, I, I love Rocky films. I'm a huge fan of Rocky. Um, I mean, even the, the bad ones. Um, just the character of Rocky, I've, I've always liked as a kid and as an adult. Um, Rocky Four. I mean, as crappy as it is, it, it besides Rocky, Rocky Four is like my my favorite Rocky movie. Like, not even lying. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you think that Southpaw was going to be Creed and Creed was going to be Southpaw? Yes. I thought the same yes. fucking thing, man. Yes. Yes. It's nuts. Yeah. What happens? I don't know, but whatever happened is just like amazing because yeah. I, um, I don't know. I don't want to ramble too much because I have a feeling it may. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it more later. But um, <laughs> it's something where you go in and you you slowly feel that build that something actually might be great. Mm. Like the teaser trailer was great. Mm -hmm. And the full trailer was great. And I got a sense of like, wow, like I really like where they're going with this story. And it's not even really rock. You know, it's called Creed, yeah. but it's the Rocky film. You saw them like all, I saw all these production footage of like them filming at real fights, you know, crowd shots, like the actual fight scenes of them actually filming in a real arena during some big like HBO ticket fights. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I don't Yeah, Okay. I'll see it maybe, but it's not going to be anything special. But I really genuinely felt that kind of build. For this movie, mm -hmm. where it each element um, was just a unique experience that doesn't happen a lot, especially when you're talking franchises. It's really hard that, you know, you take something that's been dead for, I don't know, what has it been, 10 years or something like that? The last Rocky movie maybe was at yeah. least 10 years ago, yeah. um, which did not really kind of, I mean, some people enjoy the last film, but it didn't really cap off anything for me in, in, in the sense of like letting... Sylvester Stallone really have a moment to really be this great character, and I mean, and, and he had, a, I think he has an opportunity in this movie to be that character, you know, in a movie called Creed. You know, it, it's a passing of a baton. It's it's, but it's also enough of a acknowledging like an iconic character. Yeah, it totally does service to to the character of Rocky, but it's so great probably because it wasn't conceived of as a Rocky film. exactly, and it wasn't, and and the fact that Sylvester Stallone, frankly stepped aside and let Ryan Coogler make this film. Yeah. Is, and, is, and, is what made it great. And we talked and about... that's not a, meant to be a knock on Stallone, No, it's really, not. You know? it's, it's, it's a compliment. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, it's like, we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about the franchise episode. Like, there's a point where you know you've made something great. And, you know, maybe the diminishing returns has, has occurred. But there's an, there's an interest or a want or a need to, like, reboot, rebrand, relaunch, whatever term you want to use, your franchise. Yeah. And really, you know, if you believe in it, there's nothing wrong with trying that. As long as you have 
the ability to one like he did kind of give the reins over to somebody else a different producer different yeah. writer different director different star you know you're not the star of the movie anymore and that was i think a, a very brave thing to do that paid off incredibly well yeah um I, we talk about theater experiences, mm -hmm. you know, besides Star Wars, Creed, best experience I've had at the theater all Same. year. Saw it with a packed house. Saw it with, I bet that was fun. Saw it with a crowd cheering during every fight Same. in that movie. Yeah. Even the crappy one in Mexico when he knocks him out in one punch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, you, you immediately, like, catch something in, you know, with Michael, Michael B. Jordan, like... I don't know, like, in, in all this conversation about the performances, like, the, I don't know that he did anything that I would say this is, like, best actor caliber. Right. Maybe, maybe not, but you immediately identify with his character, and you immediately root for him. Yeah, and you, know, and you don't question that he can carry the movie either. You just Yeah, and I'm just talking just not even, like, not him as an actor, but the character of Adonis Creed, even though yeah. he is, like, kind of a dick a little bit in the beginning of the movie. But he's like that privileged character who has the need to get out from a shadow. Mm -hmm. But to get out from that shadow, he goes to get help from somebody that really is a part of that shadow. that Or a, a part of what is creating that shadow, I'm yeah. sorry. Which is a brave thing, you know? And it's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing, too. Which you see in him trying to get Rocky to help him. I love the scenes in the movie where he's at the restaurant just talking to him about his dad yeah. and even talking Rocky into helping him, carrying things in and out of the restaurant. And immediately when they start working together, you can see him basically just hand himself over. Mm -hmm. That character hands himself over to Rocky's graces, you know, or whatever. You know, asking his opinion of things before they say, I'm ready to do this fight or I want to do this next step. Like... That was a really important change because in the beginning of the movie, that character never would have done that. No, they're right. The humility wasn't there. Exactly. But yeah. there's a moment where it switches and he sees like what Rocky has to offer and the respect that he demands is something that you can't not give into. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it, and you see it happen. And I, 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 witnessing that on the screen was awesome. And there's a scene like when they're training at the second gym when they're going through everything and they're, and they're like laughing with each other on the speed bags where you almost feel like that's an outtake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know the scene I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, where like yeah. he, he beats Rocky, you know, yeah, he, yeah. and it's just, they're so, it's so casual and so human and so loose. Like they really are just in this partnership. Yeah. Completely sold me. Like right, it could the rest be, of the movie. It could so be good. an outtake or it could just be that the amazing chemistry between those two actors, which really did make right. the movie. Right. Know? In either, in either yeah. situation, I, it makes me buy it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, from at that point on, there's a couple things in the movie, like where something, where some things pick up fast, mm -hmm. you know, which would be maybe my only criticism of the movie. <laughs> but really, to be able to accomplish everything I just said prior with like a movie that's <clears> the sixth <throat> or seventh entry in a series and a reboot, you know, give mm -hmm. it to the. I want to see more about Creed. You know, yeah, like we yeah. talked about it earlier when you mentioned it, but. Um, and not to mention, I mean, I think it's probably one of Sylvester Stallone's best performances. I mean, absolutely moved me, the scene in the locker room when he's kind of coming clean about what he's been diagnosed with. Yeah. I mean, just Which could me. have been the cheesiest part of the film, but it, instead it, it felt... It, it, it could have been. It felt true to the spirit. Yeah. And I really... I mean, the one thing I want to see in the next... Whatever they do with this right. is, is that turtle and like is he what now, happened to that turtle? Is he now like the horniest turtle in town or he's or what? Yeah. You know? coitus turtle, <laughs> coitus turtle. You know how this is Creed and it's like a backdoor sequel to Rocky. Yeah. Coitus turtle can be a backdoor Every sequel time to Creed. Somebody gets close, he's like, eh. <laughs> time for some sex. He shows up where people are about to like. If you look over your, and you see coitus turtle, you're like, hey, hey. it's about to happen for me. But no, just, the, just the last thing, really yeah. quick. Like, but of all the movies on my list, like, in, especially in the top five, 
the one that I would never thought would have showed up on my top 10, top 20. Yeah, same. At the beginning of last year, same. we're looking ahead. We we, we kind of, you know, yeah. do our previews and talk about everything. Mm-hmm. Never would have seen it in the, in the ballpark of being in my top list. Mm. And it is um, one of the most... One of the, the films that I probably recommend it most enthusiastically to anybody mm-hmm. I can get to listen to me. Because I don't know who would not like this movie. Right. right. It is a crowd pleaser. It is funny. It has... The, the fight sequences are gorgeous. The second fight where there's no cut is absolutely stunning. No, it's really amazing how uh, he amazing. put that together. Yeah. And I can't believe, you know, that people would ever have a reservation of seeing this film, even if you're not a Rocky fan. You do mm-hmm. not need to be a Rocky fan to watch this movie. They acknowledge things like... The passing of someone uh, special. Him, him going to the cemetery. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't need lights. to know what happened to know Ooh, that yeah. that is an was, emotional thing. Was, you, know? you know what that is? That, that so again could have been break. so cheesy, but tells you so much about that guy. Rocky has always been a kind of a goofball, funny guy who talks a little too much. I mean, you forget that based on what he became. But look at yeah. that first movie. Yeah. He's like a neighborhood guy. Yeah, absolutely. Ah yeah. oh, man. And I mean, the, the the thing that the character of of Adonis goes through is like really in the beginning of the movie. You you just you see this like, it's more of like a visceral ego, like a an ego and an anger that mm-hmm. he just exudes. But by the end of the movie, you know, if you're talking about how it kind of touches back to Rocky, there's an earned confidence. Yeah. At the end of the film, that you support. Yeah. By the end of that movie, and yeah. and that's what you would hope. You know. That's what they, I mean, a filmmaker, I'm sure, sets out to accomplish in a movie like this. Um, and I mean, yeah, just Creed is one of the best movies I've seen this year. And it's a movie that I, I would definitely watch again. Mm-hmm. So it's a blast. So that was my number four. Okay. My number three is Creed. All right. <laughs> it's a goddamn amazing movie. Um, there's something really cool about the idea of like uh, somebody's reservation to help someone because he knows what it takes to become an amazing person in that field. And it, you know, the call to action, they call it when you're writing a script, like you, you, you ask the hero, the hero comes to the person like, I need help. They're like, Nope. They come back and there has to be some respect earned and seeing it happen in a pacing that they're, I always say this, but it's true. A shitty version of this script wouldn't have had the progression be, quite as organic the him, to, to him earning the yes period all yeah, of it yeah. like everything from the respect to like uh, all the bad news that rocky found out also by the way best scene i've ever seen acted out is someone is sylvester stallone reacting to the bad news that he got mm-hmm. i've never seen it handled quite as subtly because like he could have doctor's office yeah, yeah. he could have flipped tables up mm-hmm. he could have but you know you hear it you're like fuck like it's 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 real. I mm-hmm. feel like I've never I I, I teared up. It was just as much a drama as it was a boxing yeah. movie. And like I said at the beginning of the year, we were talking about Southpaw being that movie for me. I was like, oh look, all my favorite yeah. players yeah. are in this movie. Yeah. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, Creed swept me away. Like it was fucking it's incredible. A, it's yeah. a great surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool movie. So that's my number three. All right, well, my number three, Dennis Villeneuve's Sicario. Is it Sicario or Sicario? We say Sicario. I've heard Sicario. Okay, Sicario. Sicario. Um, but yeah, for all the reasons you said, uh, just it's a plunge into some deep, dark shit. Mm. And the way the movie shows you a character who, I mean, I could, I could see someone arguing that she's more of an observer than like a mover of the action. But it's again, it's, it's, it, that's a complaint that should go away 
as the movie goes along because you see that that's much the point of the way that character is being brought into this is she's being used by this system and Emily Blunt who is an actress that we all love I think yeah, yeah. Um, and just seems to be doing that thing where she's getting good role like this role was really interesting and part of the reason I was into it like I, I didn't know anything about this movie except who was in it and who was directing it. And that was enough for me. So that may have played a huge part in why it was such a ride for me. But it just was one of the most intense things I've seen in recent years. And it really did take that character, that likable, not quite a rookie, but a person who's not of the world, you know, the fish out of water almost, and throw her in at the deep end. And the way the movie doesn't bend to explain things to you the same way the characters around her aren't bending to explain things to her... And you really are with her as she pieces together what's going on. And as the revelations come in the last third or so of the film, it's very discomforting. It's very <clears throat> upsetting in a lot of ways. Um, I think we talked about before how how uh, there was a general audience perception that she was a weak character. Which is crazy. But in, in the end, to me, the story of someone surviving what she was thrown in with is a very relatable story, but also a story of a character with a certain amount of strength and maybe a little bit of luck. Yeah. But um, I don't know, between her and James Brolin and Benicio Del Toro, just great performances. You mean Josh? Yeah. Did I say Josh? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. You <laughs> said James. You know what it is? I'm off my nose. I didn't I didn't look at James Brolin, but my favorite actor, the 70-year-old man. <laughs> he was great. Yeah, he was great. Surprisingly. So good. No, but you know, but between her and Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro, like these are actors that that have been these intense characters before, but a great use of them. And I, oh, yeah. I you know, with Josh Brolin, his particular energy was so suited to this character who's like so, like there's something kind of tenacious about him, and there's something kind of likable about him. But you can just see behind his eyes, he's not thinking of you as a person; he's thinking of you as a player in this scheme oh, he's running. Yeah. You know. Um, and Benicio Del Toro, to say too much about his character kind of spoils the fun of the movie, but I loved watching what was going on with him, just that, watching those layers come back and seeing what was going on. And the movie really doesn't flinch away from some really unsavory images. And I swear it was like a, it was like a mix between an action movie and a horror film in a lot oh, of ways, yeah. the way that it was put together. So, um, I mean, I felt much the same about Prisoners years ago, which was Villeneuve's not last film, but the one before that. In the sense that I wanted to recommend it to people because it was such an entertainingly made movie, but I also don't want them to think that like think bad of me when I say, "Oh, it was a really fun movie. You'll like it." But some movies are so well put together that they are entertaining and fun to watch, oh, yeah. even when they are taking you through this kind of despair. And I think this was a was a. Um, I mean, I'm not sure how accurate it is to the situation of what actually happens in the drug war around our borders, but it rang true to me just in the notion that there's a thin layer. Of, of of protection between the world we know and a, a, a much a much darker place. So, yeah. Sicario, my number three, yo. <laughs> James Brolin was great in that movie. Yeah, you're right. So good. <laughs> it's one of his best. Um, my number three is actually The Big Short. Ah. Um, Adam McKay, uh, a movie that I think incredibly accomplishes explaining something that's very confusing. Yes. And uh, a movie that is just stacked with great performances. Very, <laughs> a, a great ensemble cast, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Like, no one particularly to me stands out, but I think each serves their piece in telling a story. Mm. Um, it's based on a 2010 book by uh, Michael Lewis, and I think Adam McKay's done a great job of uh, 
mixing in elements of really, really, really funny moments mm -hmm. um, to lighten up something that could be really infuriating. And it still is infuriating, learning more about it, taking something that like literally I have no concept of, mm. like financial stuff and housing stuff, like what? I don't yeah. know. Um, but 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 the easy way to get me to understand is putting Margot Robbie in a bathtub <laughs> yeah. and having her to explain to me what uh, whatever she did talk about yeah. um but just as a as an example like it's it's it's, it's effervescent almost like it's a way to really kind of make oh, it exciting such a weird energetic movie yeah and, yeah and i think you know ryan gosling christian bale um who else steve carell brad pitt uh finn Wittrock, we're all great in it and i think it's just a really it's that kind of thing that's like you feel really bad saying how fun the movie was mm -hmm. um but it's also the same movie you walk out like being pissed about. Yeah. You know, and um And in I, that sense it chooses the right moment to end too in terms of like yeah. what's the what's the moral toll of this film is that you you do sort of see what the toll has been on one of the few characters that you could argue is actually wrestling with yeah. his conscience throughout the movie. Some sort of like actual moral to or ha yeah, having some sort of like yeah, conscience or whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't know. Actually, it's a movie that uh, it's actually I went and saw it Christmas night. Mm -hmm. We usually go and see a movie every Christmas night, and like the theater was pretty packed, and it, you know you could hear people talking afterwards. Yeah, and it was that consensus of like people being like, "Oh, that was that made sense." Like you know, like I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to say. I, like I a, know enough to be pissed off now. Right. Like I don't right, want to yeah. sound like a broken record, but like I don't. I don't know. There's a lot of like documentaries that explain things that I don't think explain yeah. it as well as that film explained. And it's still confusing, but it, it's it is. That's just a reality. Yeah, right. But like, how do we cut a slice off that explains enough that you can understand why it happened? You know, not the every little mechanization of what caused it to happen, but like why? It's so it's so full of little odd yeah, touches. Yeah. Like the editing is very interesting. Like the way that it will cut to like an odd little uh, just a moment. From from that time, yeah, yeah, and 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 also the way that they use the sort of the occasional people talking to the camera, and and the way that the narration plays into the film as like almost a bit of a character trait, like Ryan Gosling's yeah. character talks to the audience a lot. Then there's moments where he'll say, characters will turn to the camera and say, "This isn't how it happened. This would never have happened this way." And it's like, why does that work? I don't know. Somehow they threw all those things that could have been way too much yeah. into a movie with the with the acting, with the with the script that I think is very smart. Um, and with some really funny moments that come out of that, you know, like one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is the part when they're in the conference and Steve Carell asks a question and then takes a phone call and leaves. And then Brian Gosling turns to the camera and says, he really did that. Mark Baum really did that. He really, he really said that in, in this room. Can you see what I've been working with here? You know, and I just felt like, I mean, again, you can feel the actors having fun trying something out that yeah. really must have felt very unusual. Like Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt's actually really good in the He really movie. is. Very yeah. subtle. Like very subtle. But like the scene when they leave the conference and he's basically like, Saying to them, for you to be right, you understand what you being right yeah, means. Yeah, because they're celebrating a little too much. Right, they're kind of like going nuts over the fact that they maybe are correct about something, mm -hmm. and the realization that the the other guy goes, like, you know, you kind of see him go through, um, is really devastating. Yeah. Like that scene is really devastating. That like the entire time through the whole movie, that's really the first time that anybody points out, even when they go to Florida and talk to the owners and they talk to the loan the lenders, there's never really a human element to like what happens to people when you win yeah but like when he says that and they think about it and the one guy's like i gotta call my mom you know it's mm -hmm. like that kind of realization is like fuck like this whole time we just want to be right but the problem that we're profiting off of is a real big problem yeah, yeah. you know and brad pitt saying that out loud the, for the first time in the movie 
is really like a drop the mic moment because it, it is really just like a wow there's a lot of money being talked about and everybody's really excited to be making all this money off of all these failed loans but what about all these people and the economy that you're talking about that's yeah. about to fall mm -hmm. just said that you'll be making money i mean yeah. not to fault these guys you know they're not our heroes but they're also not a villain right you know they're just looking at something that no one else did um but yeah i mean just talking that passionately about it. i mean it's yeah. just a movie that really pumped me up and really entertaining and it is it does feel like that fresh like scorsese like almost like wolf of wall street kind of had going for it and mm -hmm. how like quickly paced and editing and and, and funny it was um <clears throat> but yeah big short number three ronald numero duh i was gonna say one thing about the big short yeah. big short for me was what i imagine that inside out would be for a kid like Explaining oh. a really complex thing in, in a simple way. Yeah. That's all I was Where, say. like, it doesn't, st it still doesn't all need to make sense. Yeah, yeah. But you, you at least get clued into, like, yeah. a path to understanding, yeah. I guess. Because if there was, if there were, like, such a, if there were more concrete understanding of it, it would be a lot more in control. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so that's, it's, I thought that was really cool. And the fact that enough people don't understand it, yeah. that's what allows for it to go overlooked. It's nuts, man. It's crazy. Um, my number two is uh the revenant the revenant is uh is it called a front is it a frontier movie or a western that's what I was, i've I feel seen like it described I feel like as a splitting western. hairs to call them different genres okay. you know western to me denotes anything from that era of our history you know what yeah. i mean like but i guess technically if it doesn't take place out west maybe some people would say it's not a western but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, a, know, period it's a period piece it's a period piece when when you say like I'm exhausted and then you see a movie like that you're like that guy was a no he's I'm, exhausted I'm starving you're like yeah. no he was really starving <clears throat> and, just and, hungry. and just thinking about all the stuff that uh, <laughs> a resilient human being you know when when faced with adversity will do <clears throat> whether it's fictitious or not you know is is I'm, I, I I can't stress how beautiful this movie was I cannot stress that anymore it's i mean i haven't seen too many movies shot in natural light so i can't compare it to mm -hmm. too many movies that i've seen but it's gorgeous mm -hmm. the combat scenes are unreal um the first one that starts to kind of picks the movie up yeah. is one of the craziest scenes i've ever seen it's almost like somebody has like uh virtual reality like or just you know some a camera on their head and they're, they're in the middle of the scene, and it's it's how quickly things happen. Yeah, and how quickly those arrows come whizzing. The person in, you know? you're talking yeah. to two seconds later has an arrow in their yeah. throat, and they're gargling mm -hmm. blood in their throat. It's just in the sound. I don't. I, oh no, no, no! I was going to say the sound design is almost yeah. as, as important as the visuals. Yeah, nobody song. really. I haven't heard. It's weird. I haven't heard much about the sound design, but it was. The layered sound was just amazing. from a technical standpoint, really one of the most impressive yeah. films of the year for sure. Yeah, I've just I've just never seen anything like it, and I don't, I don't think I will. I mean, I keep I saw I keep saying that, but that's a reason why I picked a lot of these movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll ever see anything like that again. Yeah. Um. And I almost picked another western too. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, True I, West or Slow West? Uh, Slow West. <sighs> Fuck. I just, finished it today. Yeah, it was great. What did you think? It's great. 
how it all comes together in the end. Yeah. I was like, oh the, man. The last five seconds, the shots of the of the bodies. Yes. I just love that. What little was that? At the end of it. I liked it. I it felt it. like a. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, well, they, that doesn't ruin it. Yeah, no, it won't. All. I was just saying but before you say more. It's almost like a play. Like they like show all the carnage that happened in the third to act to get to that point. Yeah. It, oh, and it's, it's cool. It's cool. I've I never seen cool anything shot. like that before. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, Revenant is. I don't know, man. I'm starting to feel like that guy can do no wrong. Well, see, I I was left a little cold by Birdman, but I thought Revenant was right was was a much way. more interesting. I mean, it was it was definitely very engrossing, and I, I I you know I was a little worried that it was gonna be like at two hours and forty minutes that it was gonna be a little long. Like yeah. I was a little worried about that, but it's so well made and yeah. it's so propulsive as far as how it goes. You gets you from one scene to the next. I have a gripe though. Good, it didn't. It, I, I didn't get bogged down in the runtime, but I do think that the visuals are. I mean, the visuals and the sound design are mm. better than the story, maybe just yeah. a little bit. But some of the act, I don't know. It's got so many, so many things about it are just at the highest level in terms of, uh, of just technical achievement. You know yeah. that it, it's hard not to be impressed by it. Let me ask you a question. How many times we're we going to see Tom Hardy play a mush mouth? piece of shit i thought tom hardy was great though. i thought it was great but man i have a hard time understanding him a lot see i guess i didn't because I, he reminded me of some southern guys i know you know yeah. I, I i understood every word he said but yeah. i agree he was doing a have you ever have you ever seen platoon yeah sergeant barnes yeah that's who he said he modeled oh. after yeah. tom Baker's character oh, fucking... and you go back and like listen to it again and it, it's it's pretty good actually yeah no I, I was amazed like he did a real a really good job of that you know, I don't know what kind of accent that was supposed to be. Somewhere in the Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, <laughs> you know, somewhere in the actual South. But there was just something so, uh, um, like that character, I found really mesmerizing in a lot of ways. And I do think Leo was great. And yeah. I, I could see if if this is Leo's year, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, um, but I, oh, I think it is. But are, are we sure? Are we sure? We're sure. We're sure. Are, here's are, a here's a problem. There's just nothing he's, else that he's can going compete, against. Right? Nah, he. Well, that's the issue. He's going against a person that played a trans character, and that for some reason, no matter how shitty the movie is, it's Money in the Bank. Leo. Money. No, no, no. Money I, in the Bank. This is Leo's year. I'm, I'm hoping it won't. You sure? Be. I'm telling. You. I, I want it to be. I think it I'm will be. You. I don't want to overestimate the way they made this movie. I think there's been a lot of press about the the way they shot it. And I think that's cool, and that adds to why it's, yeah. it's unique. But yeah. I think you could have had good catering and been in a trailer and still made a great film. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm -hmm. like the notion that Leonardo DiCaprio went through a lot of shit to make this movie does not make it great. Mm -hmm. But I do think you can see on screen the frazzled look. Something I, I, he he looks like he's been through it. You know, yeah, there's yeah. some moments where he just looks rough, and I don't know if that's a symptom of the way they made it or not. But I do think what he puts himself through. You see him. The only thing that bothers me at all about his performance is that I feel like, on some level, he knows the hype about him, with regards to getting an award. And somewhere in the back of his head, I would hate to think that he's thinking, "God damn, this is going to get me an award." He knows it. <laughs> but I, he I, just, knows I would it. hate to think that that's this, going through his head. I'm telling you, man, the Danish girl might be. I don't want it to. Well, didn't he win? He won last year. See, is that is that helping or hurting? Helping yeah. or hurting who? Well, I, I, you know, Alejandro Leo's chances. Uh, I, I, I don't think it. It's happened before, I, I, hasn't it? Like, I, it has, it has, it has. I think Eddie Redmayne's nomination is really just like one of those. 
kind of token Academy ones. token nom noms. Like, because he's a past winner who's in this type of yep. Oscar bait kind of role. I yep. just don't want you know those I just don't want him to be shooed in because No, I'm with you. Who? Eddie Redmayne? Yeah, man. I I don't think he's in terms of winning. He that is the case for the nomination, I think. But there's no way in hell that Leonardo DiCaprio does not win a best actor for this fucking actor, amazing performance. Oscar for this film. Here's the thing that like I I I am 100 I'm 99% sure he's going to win. Yeah. Just from everything I've read all the, you know, sites that I follow. I the, the, the thing that feel. the only thing is I don't think that this is his best performance personally. I would have rather seen him win for other movies, but Wolf of Wall Street. I think that is a better performance. I do too. Than really? I do too. Absolutely. Yes. I was joking. I'm not. I fucking did no, not. Think no, see, was, what's, I, he I, should not have even. No, you, no your nomination. Feelings about Wolf of Wall Street are the most mysterious thing. Oh, in it's the strange world to me. It is because here's very why. Odd. It's like mist. Because here's here's yeah. comes out of nowhere. Here's why. Here's why. And I'll explain. <laughs> you loved I, it at first. I, I I still love the movie. Oh, shut up. <laughs> here's what, what it is. What is going on right now? It is not in my. You, he does have a fever. Yes, he, does he does have a fever. Well, okay. no, actually, I was thinking... If, My brain is swollen. I was thinking we, it, it would be fun. You know, we've been talking about doing an no, episode man. built around it's fuck not that, that it's movie. Not a it's not that it's, it's not a bad movie, man. It's just that is not a movie that they're going to give him an award for. Get the fuck out. He didn't change. You got to do that change, man. Get out of here. He didn't change I do enough. think you're right in the sense that he great, was, great roles don't always get recognized as much as showy roles do. That's and true. I, and I do think yeah. that That's true. seeing somebody carry a film that you may understand there's a degree of difficulty to it. Right. The Oscar is usually going to go to the person that eats the still steaming uh, buffalo liver and yes. drags himself through the snow and, this and is goes, for half the film, you yeah. know. And this like, is why it, he it can, he can win today, this now, year. Now, if he was just a trans character, I think that he would have it in the back. <laughs> it, what, is it, what is it about just... I, Dallas Buyers Club was a great movie, man. But it's got that disease aspect. No, we we know good, good we know God, that man. the filmmakers don't have to be thinking in those craven terms. But we know that when it comes to the Hollywood, it's like machine, a pity the, party, the, the, the man. Oscar, it's like a... it, but they acknowledge. Yeah, if you transform yeah. yourself for the role, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You, you lose yourself. a lot of weight or yeah, gain a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah. transformative if you get, experience. If you get, don't get beaten up as a person that's changed. Yeah, the, that you get. Fuck, it's it's nuts, man. And I I think that Leo deserves it this year. If they don't, if he, not only, not only. <laughs> Well, actually, no, no, I actually want uh, Thomas Hardy to get it uh, for supporting too. I thought he oh, was that good. He was great, man. I would have watched a movie about his character. His you know? mush mouthness like, bothers me, but it, it was he's he does a really good job of making you feel like I'm not crazy about your plan. <laughs> yeah. Besides, I got my own. <laughs> yeah. When he stabs his son and like, yeah, oh yeah, that like he's so conflicted, man. Talk it, about the just, sound design. Every time a knife went into somebody yeah, in this movie, like, yeah. it hurt. And the chunk that yeah. the bear, oh man, I was oh that bear scene, yeah. The way it, the way it leaves him alone for a minute and yeah. then comes back to him, and like <laughs> God, that killed me. Yeah. And I can see as much as I made jokes about it, I can see why a dumb person might think he was being raped by that bear. <laughs> yeah, there were some vague shots, <laughs> yeah. you know, that closed in on his face, and you could just see some his, motion or whatever. Like, ah! Right? Yeah. But the, but what was clear was that his. <laughs> 
you know. What? You remember people who said that it you, was You don't like, remember? Did you not there, hear that? There was a whole big, there was a no. whole, like, like Leonardo, he, like, addressed it. There was, no. like, a fake scandal. Like, Matt Drudge reported that the, the movie had a bear raping a man. <laughs> and they actually had to come out and say, no, there's no bear rape in this film. But the people that were saying that were basically saying, like, <laughs> I can't girl. believe I'm having to say this, but no, there's no bear rape in, in this movie. That's the best, that's yeah. the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> oh, God. Just to back up real quick, what I was trying to say about Leo's chances, while I don't think it's his best performance, I mm-hmm. think what's important is is who he's also nominated against. Yeah, it's a pretty in in in, it's in, weak in, this in year. comparison to other years, it's a very weak best so actor weak, race. Man. So it's not like a thing where like he's gonna get it because everybody sucks. Every, yeah. There's good performances, yeah, but like. You know, you go up a year against Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers, you're probably going to lose because it fits more of the boxes that are being checked off. Yeah. But I do think that he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street. I feel like in history book, it's say his first win should have been for that film. I don't know. I, it's kind of a bummer to me a little bit that it, that it will be for The Revenant. Really? I think he's good in the film. I think he's really good in the film. And I did really like the movie. But in terms of his performance, I don't think he's ever been better than he was in Wolf of Wall Street. You ever heard of spit? You know spit takes. Yeah. Somebody just tells you something shocking, you spit water in their mm-hmm. face. I'm so shocked that you thought he could really. That what? That he should have won for no, what? No. He That's... said the same thing. We wasn't his year. Wasn't his it year. wasn't his year. This is his year though. If it, I, I, he's, I, he's getting it. See, year. I don't disagree. Oh, I think that we're talking about two different Are we things watching here. This we're talking together? about we... his likeliness versus. Yeah, I think we should. Are we going to watch yeah, it together? Yeah. But we're talking about the likelihood of it versus the deserved. Right, right, right. Of it. I think at this point we all sort of agree that that it's about time that DiCaprio got something. Right. Absolutely. But it is. It is as far as like a movie. I mean, again, I just think that. I just think this was a unique movie, and I think that it, it, you needed an actor of his caliber to pull it oh, off. Yeah. But I think that the setting kind of makes the performance very elemental and very simple. And I think that the reason I might say the same thing about Wolf of Wall Street is that there was just more, a little bit more of an accomplishment. Because, I mean, right down to the physical comedy in that yeah, long that, scene, that. it's like things that I haven't seen him do before. But in the sense of this movie also being an extension of a, an actor who clearly throws his physicality into things a lot, I do think this movie holds together largely because of how solid he is in the role. But I agree that it's just not quite as like I, I didn't when it, when the Revenant ended, I wasn't buzzing quite as much about his performance as opposed to the rest of the movie the yeah, way right. that I was at the end of Wolf of Wall Street. Really going because you know before that I was always a little iffy. On DiCaprio, but I think Wolf of Wall Street was the first time that I was just like, no, this guy really is. Like, I've gotten over whatever pretty boy aversion I had to him yeah. and realized this guy's a great actor. Do but. yourself a favor when you get a chance on, uh, I think it's uh, Apple Radio. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a thing that Q-Tip has, Abstract Radio, Q-Tip of A Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a block of dialogue between Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Q-Tip, and Leonardo DiCaprio, and hearing him talk about movies as a fan of movies is the strangest thing in the world because he sounds, he's so passionate about them. Yeah. Just the way we speak about movies, mm-hmm. um, super cool to listen to. Yeah. And then talking to Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock is nuts. But no, that's awesome. Yeah, man, Leonardo DiCaprio better win this year. Well, I know a friend of the show, Lauren, uh, feels that way. Is it you? Gonna... This is this. Has... Have you talked to Lauren about it? Does how she? Feel yeah, we the... watched it together. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's. I yeah. It's, is she it, is it's, she like this? I've, is I've it? tried I've tried to comfort her as much as I could and and assure her that this. How'd is she the feel year. about it? Did she? I think she felt similar to what I was saying, like that he's really great in it, and the movie was a good movie, right, right. but like I don't think it knocked her out. Okay. 
I think she kind of agree. I'm not. I'm not. Can't speak for her, but I'm pretty sure she said that like the Wall Street performance was what she thought he would win. Right, um, right, until right. maybe seeing McConaughey, who was also great. But right. um, but yeah, the deserved <clears throat> verse. Like yeah, the deserved verse likelihood is like really the differentiation, and I think he's highly likely to win. I actually think that. I mean, the that Eddie Redmayne thing is like obviously I'm like so that's, that's such a showy thing. It's scared, man. But you know who I think could be the spoiler? Who is Michael Fassbender? Yeah, I was just looking at that. I think it, for it, Slow it, West. No, no, for... no, for Steve Jobs. Oh yeah, goddamn it. If there is a spoiler, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I as much love as there is for Matt Damon, like yeah. I think that's kind of like just a kind of good nomination for The Martian. I think that Fassbender, in terms of like critics awards and things like that, the acting in that film has won a lot of awards. I mean, so if anything yeah. spoils it, it's him, I think. But I think that Leonardo DiCaprio will finally win an Oscar, which he absolutely has earned. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. I'm not going to argue that he shouldn't get it for this movie because yeah. in that pool, give it to him because he yeah. deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, so number three was <laughs> The Revenant, right? It was number, number two. two. Number two. Number two. Oh, sorry. So. Wow. So, John. Yeah. My number two. Well, we've talked about this film uh, earlier this year. And then we talked about it a little bit earlier in this episode, but I and it was my number one for for a hot second, and it it was, I think I was excited because it was not the sort of movie that normally would be at number one if you were trying to make like an austere critics list. But comedy is hard, and making a comedy that really sticks the landing and creates unique characters and provides as many laughs as uh, what we do in the shadows did is it's it just doesn't come along that often. I like I mean I do I I watch a lot of goofy comedies over the course of a year and most of them are gone before the credits even roll as far as my memory yeah. of them, you know. And this was one that you know original characters uh falling into a kind of a trend like the you know doing a vampire movie when I would have <laughs> thought I'd never wanted to see another vampire movie. Yeah, who does? And somehow like turning that into a strength of the film that they've got all this baggage and all this this mythology and all this current you know, like they were definitely reacting to like Twilight and yeah. reacting to uh, that that kind of sexy vampire stuff. And they were kind of turning it on its head, yeah. but also falling back on the kind of horror roots of what a vampire is and not shying away from the fact that these characters, as funny as they are, as silly as they are, are also killing people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And not really shying away from how atrocious that is. Like there's a couple of kind of sad scenes. Like they, they, they managed to turn it into physical comedy, but yeah. th you don't forget the humanity of their victims. Right down to the fact that there is a human that you're kind of tracking through the the movie that you really don't want to see anything bad happen to, um, uh, and everything about it. I mean, so much about it. If you talk too much about it, it would just be spoiling the jokes. I feel like people have had a chance to see this film now, yeah. but so many people that I know have seen this film and raved about it that it just kept it high in my estimation. And then I watched it a second time, and I just was I was laughing at the things I laughed at before, or doing his. I love doing his dark betting, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and what uh, on eBay. Um, and, and, I love, and I love uh, the the we're werewolves, not swearwolves, you know. <laughs> and there's even talk that they're going to do a sequel, which always makes you nervous. But focusing on the werewolves, werewolves yeah, which sounds that. like a, a good that. plan. And um, <clears throat> New Zealand funded a lot of that movie. Well, I mean, I Pretty think that these, it's that it's that style of comedy <clears throat> that. I mean, I don't want to ding it by suggesting that it follows in the wake of like the Christopher Guest style of comedy, but I remember when I first got into his stuff, specifically Spinal Tap, like back in the day, mm -hmm. what I loved about it was how funny it was and how much heart it had. Mm. And I think that what we do in the shadows hits that too, of you care about the characters, it is actually creepy, there are actual stakes, there is good, there is evil, it's funny, 
it ties itself up pretty neatly, but without being too neat. Yeah. I just don't think that you could have counted on it being so good in yeah, so was, many different ways. And I, there's friends that I don't think have seen this film yet. Like I take pleasure in in recommending this movie to people. I feel very confident saying you should watch this. You know, mm. it's it's so up the alley. It's that it's that genre mishmash that that can be so bad, but when it's done right, it's just it yeah. it instantly earns a spot. And you know, like what we do in the shadows. I, when I saw it, it didn't just become one of my favorites of the year. It became one of my favorite films of the last 10 years or something. Same. It really is yeah. just one I could see myself coming back to again and again. I didn't know it was... Damn it. And it helps that yeah, I, it and, helps and, that I love Jemaine Clement already. Like yeah. It helps that I was a Flight of the Concords <laughs> fan. It helped that I've followed a little bit of what Taika Waititi has done in terms of just his career. But like this, it just feels like... Uh, you know, it's the New Zealand version of, oh, these guys are funny and they're doing good work together. And you could see them, like, this could be a little pocket of great material for, for years to come, you know, oh, depending yeah. on what they want to do. What were you about to say, Steve? No, I was going to say, like, it it does play to a benefit to, to be familiar with them, but I, I admittedly am not. Yeah. Mm. And it doesn't hurt your experience for anybody that you would recommend it right. to. I just feel like, it, and I kind of was saying the same thing earlier, like, it is it is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, and it, and pound it, and for it, pound, yeah, and it, joke and it, for it's, joke. And it's yeah. it is not very long. So, like, to make it that funny consistently through the whole movie. Yeah. And not just a character, like, stealing the jokes. Like, everybody in the movie has a really good joke. Mm -hmm. Like, even the, the smaller characters, the supporting characters, yeah. have great punchlines that, like, are on par with the leads. I mean, yeah, it's it's a hilarious Yeah. It's hilarious movie. And it's the kind of movie so that funny. could easily get overshadowed if you didn't make yourself remember how much fun it was watching it and yeah. how how just how solid it was. And how, yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't fail, you know, like Yep. to do any of the things it's trying to do. I really love that movie. So Stevie. My number 2, I think it's both of you already mentioned it, um is uh is Sicario. Um <clears throat> I won't say too much more about it only because you did and mm -hmm. my biggest takeaway from the movie where, where some people really thought that it was like slow like i mm -hmm. felt like the pacing of the movie was perfect to me yeah i felt like you know for a movie that's trying to be like more of that slow burn and i don't i hate using that term but like that building i'll say building burn mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like it's not slow it's building yeah and um really kind of experiencing the movie the narrative of it through emily blunt's character yeah worked perfectly um i don't i don't i don't view her as a weak character by any means mm -hmm. um maybe a little naive and a little maybe surprised as to what is actually happening. But I think that's, that's the, that's the journey that right in I over her head. Exactly. You're watching it. Like anybody really that doesn't know it would be, mm -hmm. you know, or know it, how they thought it would be, um, w w would feel the same. Yeah. Josh Brolin's great. Benicia del Toro actually was like amazing. Like I, I, yeah. I mean, like I, maybe I missed some of the stuff in the trailers. I know that's the one that you like really tried to not really. No, I see. didn't. I didn't see anything, right. and then I saw the trailer after I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, they told you a lot more about this character, or they, they hint, they tipped their hand about what this character's role was a lot more in the trailer than than I than I knew going into. Right, the movie. and even and even that, even with that, and having seen it, like I still felt like what's going on here. <clears throat> yeah, what's going on with him? You know, and I mean the 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 standouts, obviously, the scene going through the the mountain. Mm -hmm. in, in into the guy's home at the end at the dinner table but insane. um incredible scene um insane that deacon's scene. roger deacon's cinematography is absolutely stunning i mean some of the shots in the deserts across the landscapes mm -hmm. were just gorgeous um and this uh, the other scene i wanted to just give a little attention to was the scene on the um at the border mm -hmm. um 
when all the traffic is stopped and you know oh. like Jeffrey Donovan's character has a small role in the film but a really great performance um just how systematic and like it just I don't know like I kept seeing like like a river in my head like it just felt like a river like things just didn't stop yeah and like these guys are so <clears throat> these characters are so like aware of what every scenario could be that like as soon as it clicks into scenario B like they're just on it already yeah, yeah. like that is scary on one hand but so impressive to see how quickly everything escalated and like was diffused mm-hmm. and just like <sighs> on with the story. Yeah. Which is scary. Like that, all in a day's it, work. It just happens, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I feel like the more and more I think about um, Denis Villeneuve, whatever, <laughs> um, I actually, I think Prisoners, I was going to touch back to Prisoners, like just how bleak and dark some of his movies are and even Enemy. I didn't, I didn't love Enemy. That yeah. I, I liked it. An interesting film. No, I liked it a lot because of how odd and interesting it was but i feel like it doesn't it doesn't strive for the same same heights as prisoners or sicario you know yeah i just i just feel like the fact that i you know his presence is is really felt by me in in film mm-hmm. and i i am very excited to see whatever he does next um i just love the way his movies look i love the tone of his films yeah while they're dark and bleak and like or or i don't know they are <laughs> the two that i'm referencing but um they just there's a naturalism to them that really I think doesn't feel cheap to me at all. Like, yeah, it, it feels very scary how real they feel. Yeah, especially with the, with their respective subject matters. <clears throat> but you know, even with Sicario, love watching movies about and as bad as that sounds, like about like the drug cartels and like that whole Sorry. world because it's so sensational and scary to me that like I just want to watch it on the yeah. screen. Like, and it's I don't, horrifying. I don't, don't want to yeah. know, but like but seeing it the way that Emily Blunt's character goes through it as an agent who has insight and how unprepared really she is for it makes it even scarier well the fact that what she uncovers at the beginning of the movie kind of sets the tone for like this is different than what we've seen before this is more this is more inhuman than than what we've seen before yeah it, it was a great way to make her not a weak character but a character who's who's you know not out, to, uh, not out totally, on a limb. Yeah, yeah, like not totally prepared. Yeah. Like she's like, you know, the star of the first 10 minutes of the movie almost, mm-hmm. you know. And then as she gets thrust into this other story, um, even even as prepared as she may have thought she was in her right. day-to-day, it's like not really that prepared for yeah. what she's about to take. Like on. no one person can take control of this system. Yeah, this absolutely. This system, yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. I absolutely... Um, yeah, I love Sicario. I, I I've I remember seeing we were at the screening together. We yeah. saw it together, and we were talking about it afterwards. Just I was blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Just a gorgeous film, and um, <clears throat> pretty disturbing movie. But I, I loved it. Loved it. Same. There it is. Number one. Number uh, one. Drum roll, Mister Mister Fever. Uh, <laughs> How you feeling, Ronald? You gonna make like it? Shit. Can you, you get through like it? Shit? I feel like shit. Man. You got right. it. You got this. Um, my number one is an accumulation of things, like kind of the idea that. I didn't know much about this film series, just tidbits, slogans, <laughs> logos, uh, and, and I feel like over the years it's been kind of bastardized, <clears throat> to be honest with you, with shitty cartoons and shitty, I mean, just everything. Mm-hmm. So when I stepped into Star Wars, I, I had no expectations. I, I saw the... The prequels, the you know, I saw all of it. I was mm-hmm. I was prepared, and, and I lo- I love the trailers. I love the feeling that they were giving me, and and it created some excitement. But you know, it could have been bad, and I would yeah, have been it still okay. could have just been a good marketing job. Yeah, 
So when I stepped into this movie and watched it and experienced so the feelings that I had about it, the action being as great as it was, I, I, it went ahead of every movie that I could think of just because it not only made me feel great, it looked great. It, the characters were so likable. And I feel like we're in the beginning of something where like uh, between Creed and uh, this movie kind of restoring an idea in, mm-hmm. a, in, a, in a series, I think there's something super cool that this movie did. And it, it created some diversity, you know, you a black lead, a, a woman lead leading into this world, this new world where the the series is reflecting society in a way like the diversity that that's shown you know that that's represented in our country is now being represented on screen in some ways starting to feel like at least starting yeah you know start just the beginnings of it Mm -hmm. you know and it's really cool that there was a person that pitched this idea but there was also a person like jj abrams when it came to them that you can champion an idea like this because it's a big idea. It's a big idea to have this thing happen. Yeah. This, this. I mean, not and and it being such a cool way to weave in old the old information that we know and create some new things and some unanswered questions and that same feeling that I imagine that people had then is sort of this frenzy that I'm seeing now. Yeah. And although it might not be Avatar, it won't. Period. It just won't. I don't know. I don't know that magic that they did to get. Yeah. No, that was that was, <laughs> that was a... voodoo, actually. Right. It's voodoo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what that All was. Right. So that's nuts. Um, but there's something that's happening. A shift in this series that I that I'm welcome to, and this movie did a lot for me. It, it, it's such a nice experience watching the movies both times that I saw it. Yeah, it's 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 my number one. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I, that's a, a, it's absolutely a great amazing to hear you say that. Yeah, yeah like and for easily, somebody that's admittedly yeah. like not into it at all, yeah. you you literally are probably going through what you know. Yeah, I, I you know we we were growing up at a time where it had already come. Right, right. You know, maybe didn't have the access like maybe John did, mm-hmm. but like the fact that you kind of isolated yourself from not really being a part of that world until now yeah, is one impressive yeah. but also it's really good to hear such a good response like mm-hmm. that you know what yeah, i mean like man, that's i'm convinced i'm i, I that's was awesome, like man. thinking that's i wouldn't so i would hear. come into it and be like ah, i fucking loved it man so, i mean it yeah. helps that they made a really good movie though that they yeah, made a really yes, fun absolutely. really good movie that does all those things you just said like it 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 great characters you just like you just like the experience of watching it but you also it does still you know, it, it still manages to make it hurt in in some ways too, which I think is kind of what you want from mm-hmm. a, from a movie. But you don't want Star Wars to be too grim. You know what I mean? You want it to be yeah. still about adventure and everything. And I think yeah. they they balanced all that really mm-hmm. well. So, no, it's like we're we're sort of proud of of you, Ronald. That yeah. that's your number one. Yeah, man. Good. <laughs> I, if you would have told me, it was my number one at different points. I mean, it definitely was one where I was just like, this could be. Yeah. It, yeah, like it, it should be. Yeah. It, like it was one at me, like and, and like talking to you guys beforehand. It was off my ten. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> I just didn't know where to place it, but it's good that like it it has a place <clears throat> on any of our lists, mm-hmm. no matter where we came into it you know like I john's wasn't. probably like the most diehard person mm-hmm. amongst us for star wars films yeah and like even like talking with him about henry experiencing it like it, it's just a cool thing yeah. that it hits like every level of interest in the franchise like that yeah Definitely. and you could still react to it and all three of us place it somewhere is, yeah. is impressive well 
Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Number one. It, this was a movie that I, snuck up on me, and I guess I look at all my top choices from the from this is the fourth time I've done one of these best of the years with you guys. The first one I chose was The Gray because and it was actually a movie <laughs> oh, I had, yeah. I had seen very recently at the time and it was one that 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 packed a punch, you know. And then the next one I named was Captain Phillips and that was another one I had just seen that really just grabbed me and it had a moment in particular that that I still think of as one of the most emotional moments I've ever seen in a film. Mm. Um and then the next one I chose was Whiplash, which was another movie I saw very close to the end of my attempt to f- see all the movies, and it was one that just knocked me on my ass. And so this one that I'm naming now was... I, I didn't want that to happen again. I had looked at that theme, and I was like, do not <laughs> let a movie that I see late turn out to be the one that blows me away and surprises me and makes me cry like 50 times and has me still thinking about all the the implications and just the, so many epiphanies <laughs> that occur if you're watching Room, starring Brie Larson. All right. <laughs> John's shit. number one. <laughs> Called that shit. Holy Called shit. that shit. Um, it was, uh, I mean, I, I love Brie Larson, and I came into this wanting to see her in something really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and even describing it, I don't think you you have to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it hits you on so many different levels the story of a woman who's been held prisoner by a man in a garden shed and he regularly rapes her and she has a child of rape that is now grown to be five and she has created this world within this awful situation where the kid thinks that the room that he's grown up in is the whole world yeah. and he believes what she says. I mean, that's your setup. You know, the movie, the story goes on from there. And in some ways, it's a thriller. In some ways, it's like a a, 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 a drama. In right. some ways, it's like the story of a child's like awakening, a coming of age. I mean, Jacob Tremblay, am I getting yeah. his name yep. right? It's not Josh Tremblay or James, James Tremblay. James. <laughs> Jacob Tremblay, who I've never seen before. And I don't know if he's been mm. in anything before this or how he could have been because he's a little kid. Uh, an uncannily good performance. Like a movie could have stunk if the kid was the least bit yeah. contrived, the least bit con- like too precocious. If he was, if he was too sweet, if he was too calm, if he was too like preternaturally like in- intelligent. <laughs> this felt like a little kid, <clears throat> and he felt like he had the emotions of a little kid. And yet we were seeing the movie over his shoulder, and it took me a minute to realize we were seeing the movie over his shoulder. That it was more his story than it yeah, was the mom's first. story. But, you know, the thoughts of escaping the situation that they're in, what comes after, whatever that might be, what their future is going to be like, what this person who's grown up in this circumstance that he, the little boy is in. Mm. I mean, there may be some hope for him, but also he's the person with the most messed up circumstances. But you realize that his mom is the one who's, whose life was actually destroyed yeah. by this, that she actually had, like, from teenage to mid-twenties taken away from her in this awful way. Um. But then you take away the awfulness of that situation, the specifics of the predicament that they're in, and there's universals to be found within their predicament. Because every parent mm. creates a world for their kids, yeah. creates a safe zone, an explanation that makes it okay, an explanation that lets you able to sleep at night, an explanation that doesn't cause undue stress on the part of a kid. Every parent uh, sees their kid growing and realizes, well, now is the time to... to to tell him the truth about this or that, you know? And then that the kid responds in such a plaintive, pragmatic way to so much of what is going on, and he 
he almost is willing to forgive his mother for choices she's made more than she's willing to forgive herself. Mm-hmm. The way their world changes and stays so specific to this awful predicament, but also creates those universal truths that you do that crop up. And I felt like after after a while, every every couple scenes something was hitting me that I was just going, oh my God, like I would, like where tears are streaming down my face mm. and I'm realizing why after I think about it for a second. Like, yeah. man, that, that was, you know, uncanny. Right down to the supporting roles. Like Bill, William H. Macy's barely in it, but he really leaves a mark. Um, there's an actor I don't know who plays her stepfather. Um, oh, yeah. Really, really very sweet performance. And the way that he brings the, the well, again, I yeah. don't want to spoil too much. But yeah. there is a first half and a second half to this movie. And it almost wouldn't be a spoiler to say what happens in the second half. But to say that there is a there's an aspect of reconnection and that there's an aspect of what happens to your life when it's been interrupted this way. You get to deal with that plot line as a specific thing. But then all the stuff about parents and children and just what it means to, to raise a kid in this fucked up world where so awful things may happen to them. And are you not making a selfish choice by bringing this kid into this world? Um, you know, that's something I think about all the time. Mm. But you also see this woman it wouldn't trade the, her experience with her little boy for anything. And, and for as messed up as the circumstance in which he was born and raised, there's a sweetness and a, and a little shared language between the two of them that, again, is very much like any parent. And their kid, uh, you know, I got goosebumps. I, I I cried my eyes out. I I loved it. It was directed by Lenny Abramson and written by Emma Donahue, based on her own book. And I'll just actually throw a little uh, appreciation to, even though it's a role that is, you know, a hideous character. But Sean Bridger, who plays the the man who's holding her prisoner, um, is, was on Deadwood. I don't know if you remember on Deadwood. He was Johnny, who was yeah. like the lovable really? kind of doofus on on Deadwood, and he's played some pretty unsettling. I mean, he's done a few roles where he's played pretty unsettling people. But the way the movie almost doesn't shoot him like a person until it has to. Like you don't really yeah. see a lot of shots of his face until he's just out in the light and you can't avoid it. But he feels like a presence. <laughs> he feels like a demon. He feels like an otherworldly thing. And then when you see that he's just this sort of pathetic man. It, it makes it all the more sad. Um, but he's not really a factor. I just love that like the movie doesn't spend a lot of time on the trial or the, the true crime aspect of it. It's much more about the emotional content. Yeah. And it's also much more about, I really would love to hear this writer talk about her themes because I wonder if she was thinking at some point what she had was a really a really complicated metaphor for what parenting is. It was my number 10 at first. Okay. Um, man, that it, it really sat with me. Um a, a scene that wasn't like I don't know I don't know if it was meant to be like really powerful but the world that she created mm-hmm. and then having to break it down really quickly yeah having like, yeah, all yeah. the things all the things that you know like when she's telling him what's yeah, really going it's like, on well no no that, all the things I told you don't exist don't don't listen to that this is why I told you that mm-hmm. it's it's not seeing his him process the information in front of her he can't go anywhere yeah and seeing his face and a child, a child actors, and we talk about not normally liking them. Yeah, this kid was amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> yeah, he, he was, was so good, and he he reminded me. This is so weird. He reminded me of like the kid from The Good Dinosaur, almost. Oh yeah. Like he had yeah, this yeah. like this kind of wild wild to him. this to him, but he was super adorable. He he was. So smart. When you have to share one of those truths with your kid, you feel you feel bad. Mm. Not that not that you've lied, right, right. which sometimes you have. You've told them a simpler story, but when you have, when you can say, "No, no, buddy, that's not the way it works," or "Oh no, we're not going to see them again," or "No, he's gone," or whatever, 
like you feel a little bad because yeah. you see them absorb it and you yeah. see them become a little bit less innocent and a little bit less part of this again this safe little yeah. fairy tale bubble you've tried to create for them up to this point but uh i would say if the subject matter sounds really grim just just you know give it a chance anyway because you'll probably find something there is a there is humor and there is life in it and i think part of the point that the movie is trying to make is that even in this messed up uh, uh, you know, trap basically that she's in. It's a trap. It's a uh, trap. Uh, that she manages to create a, a fun life for this kid in a way, and oh, you yeah. you see the strain that's putting on her that she can't share her pain and her worry with her her companion. But she also recognizes that it's important to her to feel that she's protected him from the ugliness of it. Steve Reno. So my number one movie of 2015. <sighs> you both have also mentioned. Um, I I I I <laughs> I'm so I'm so at you a loss. You want to start that sentence over? I'm so at a loss for words because like I know a lot of these movies could be interchangeable, but I, I gotta say, I mentioned Star Wars like the experience in the theater. I mentioned Creed the, the experience in the theater, and I mentioned It Follows three very different types of experiences mm. for different kinds of movies. Mad Max Fury Road is an experience that I never thought I would experience mm -hmm. for a movie called Mad Max. Right. Um. Admittedly, when we did our show, I was I was familiar with this 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 franchise, this series, but never would I have ever thought that the fourth entry in it would be one of the most amazing visual attempts at storytelling that I've ever seen on a movie screen mm -hmm. before. Um, I will say that I, I don't know that this movie is love will be loved by all. Like I feel like most people I know love it, but I know I've recommended to some people that like I feel like you're just not going to dig this movie if it's a if, if it hits a certain spot. Right. That you're most people, miss. if they actually watched it, would probably like it. But I think I, some people would think they don't want to see a Mad Max movie. But I've recommended it to some people who have come back and like weren't as impressed because like they don't think that there's anything going on. Oh, okay. They oh. don't think that there's like a narrative really. They don't see the storytelling that's being done through the like this world building that is being accomplished visually mm -hmm. without dialogue without any necessary or unnecessary exposition because there's literally like none in the movie yeah if you think about it if you go back and watch it to explain any of the world or why things happen the way they happen mm -hmm. there really is not a lot of exposition maybe from some of the girls on, on what that Furiosa is, is transporting but it's not really driving the story right and that is so impressive and so original when we talked last time about franchises, like, you know, I don't know, never ever would I have thought Mad Max would be something that would I, I would personally find relevant again. Yeah. Like, I can pay its respect to it for what it did then. It's never something that I've ever launched into, like, conversation about, like, how much I love, right. you know, The Road Warrior. But friends of mine, peers, like, love that movie, and they will gush about it all day. And that's still, like, their Mad Max movie. Mm -hmm. But for me, I don't know how you could argue a movie like this. Like, no, you can't. I really don't see how it's possible to have a leg to stand on to tell me that it's a movie that's led by basically two leads, where one actually maybe overtakes the title character in terms of just stealing the movie out from underneath of him. Yeah. And I, I thought Tom Hardy was fine and did a great job as Mad Max, but Charlize Theron was incredible mm -hmm. um, as Furiosa. I thought Nicholas Holt was great um, yes. as one of the... Um, what, what are they called? The, um, the war boys? War boys, yeah. Um, 
like mediocre. I, I, yeah, I, I think he's one of the great examples of like how much the movie tells you without telling you. Yeah. Like their dedication to what they think they believe in and like how deeply rooted they are in this world. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the only thing they know. Right. And the moment that, you know, Furiosa and these girls, like they, they know that there's something else, you know, going on like one long chase scene. You know, to to kind of get to a climax and, and to see his character go through the transformation that he goes through, I think it's probably the most subtle but important thing in the movie for me, at least, mm-hmm. in terms of what George Miller accomplishes, um, in in taking his his baby, you know, his series, to the next level. Yeah. Um, it's no. just it's just I don't know what else to say. I mean, like everything else that I've I've experienced in the movies this year. Was something that I feel like I had a, um, a like a rooting for. Mm. You know, I'll say like you know, Star Wars, whatever. Given um, Inside Out, I love Pixar. I love Pixar movies. Yeah. You know, Sicario, I love Denis uh, Villeneuve, whatever his <laughs> name is. The Big Short maybe is a little different, but I love a lot of people that are involved with that. I like Tom Hardy a lot, but never like I say. I don't mean to be a you know be repetitive, but. I was never excited for Mad Max movies. Yeah. You know, I was never as intrigued by the world of Mad Max. I wasn't really either. I mean, like, I I, 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 I had fondness for it in a vague sense, but I was not going, oh, man, I can't wait to see this new Mad Max movie. Or what, Nor was I going, can't believe they're doing a Mad Max movie without Mel Gibson. I was none of that. So right. to me, it was the same kind of, like, revelation that it was... You know, just that it it's so big and so fun and so well done. And, yeah, when have you seen a movie like this? I just can't think of another I just, one. Yeah, I mean, like... Wh- this is basically, I, I kind of almost like feel like I want to say, like, I feel like this is the type of movie that you have to base future movies off of. Yeah. Like, mm. this is a, this is like a framework for how big movies can also be like personal movies and that it can also be really well crafted and also a great story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, great performances all around pretty much. I mean, there, there are some people that can pick certain things apart in the movie. You know, like I said before, a lot of people kind of push back on me, like saying, well, what's the story? And yeah. you need to, I don't know. Maybe you're just not getting it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get, but I think that person is probably going to say that about a lot of films that we might say were great. Do you know what I mean? That, well, like, what worries me is that, like, I feel like an audience is so used to needing the exposition yeah. that when they I don't get that. it that's a flaw mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to a strength yeah. yeah and maybe that's just on the receiving end like I, I I'm impressed by not needing to tell me everything that's happening right show me let me figure it out let me have an like aha moment yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. But if an audience is so used to being told everything, like oh well, that's the guy from earlier in the movie. Don't you remember him? Yeah. Or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like when that's missing, they're like, oh, that was like, it was confusing, mm-hmm. or you know, or I didn't get what the point of the story was, or you know, what happened, or why why do I care that she gets to where she's going, or why do I care that I'm supposed to root for Furiosa, or like you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like, like I don't know. It it, it bothers me a little bit because like you know, talking to f- some people, like it's the one on my list that I feel like maybe I got the most pushback from, which yeah. is weird because it was a people. big it was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Critics love it. It's got nominated for a lot of <laughs> awards, and I'm sure it will win some awards. You know, maybe hopefully at the Oscars. I don't know. I just I just it's it's the surprise for me mm. uh, of of the year. Like Creed was in a way that I didn't really think they would be able to bring back any interest for me in a franchise that I used to really be into. Yeah. It's the opposite where like this was a franchise I was never into but somehow it it's it's completely 
it's completely got me hooked on it. Yeah. Like, I want to know more about this world. Well, when you said that about the lack of exposition or the lack of need for it, I think it's neat that there isn't all that exposition, but there is a sense that that development has been put into the world, that there are stories yeah. to be told. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel shallow. It just does not, doesn't do you the, the, it doesn't hold your hand by saying, okay, here's the, here's all that you need to know about this now, now, you know, and it doesn't now have that. How do you understand? Yeah, right. You know, like it's and it doesn't like have that. the moment when a character opens up and says all that. It's very much revealed through action, and it's really pretty cleverly constructed in that way. That you see, Mad Max's arc is entirely revealed through just what he does. Yeah, and I think that's that. That's like a feat of accomplishment that is very new in ways. Like yeah. I don't think it's accomplished too much. Like that, you know, just really tr through visual storytelling through action especially yeah. and really well done action like you mentioned earlier like a lot of the green screen work was so well done and, and and some of it actually with some practical you know sets and things like that were really impressive i just felt like the movie just felt like one long fucking rock song to me mm -hmm. like it just was so yeah. Yeah. fun um it's almost like putting like we will rock you and we are the champions together like an <laughs> a and a b side just fucking let the thing play out like it yeah. felt like that to me and um, I don't know. It just was. It was like that experience, like a couple years ago when I mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, yeah. it's like that. Just in the theater, like even though it is a property that had already existed, to me it really. I didn't. I, I wasn't in that. You know, mm -hmm. like I. I didn't. So it felt very fresh to me. Almost like you're talking about Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it felt that way to me because I was not interested really. Mm -hmm. I, I had heard things and I had seen things and the things that I saw looked stunning. Yeah. So you're like, I gotta be a part of this. Right, right. And I remember when the trailers started coming out and we were all sort of like, this looks really intense and good. Yeah, like, this this got made? Like, yeah. when did this get made? You know? Yeah. It, it kind of had that little surprise element to it. And even more surprising is the fact that it was really, really good. Yeah. And uh, while I enjoyed everything I, that, that I've had on my list and that, you know, most of the movies <laughs> that you guys have mentioned that I didn't, mm -hmm. there's so many great movies that I experienced this year. But I think that at the end of the day, the one that really kind of surprised me the most mm. by my lack of investment in it going into it it had to have been mad max yeah. i mean it, it you know yeah i don't know i just had to be like um i have like a i have like a meter factor i try and, and ronald's seen this before in the theater and probably you have too but like my involvement in a movie is directly proportional to how many times i sit forward in my seat yeah, that's you true. know and and this movie like literally and i think aaron even was like we were both like sitting forward watching yeah. this movie it was just so fun and, and you're looking around just how beautiful the colors and the landscapes and just the color palettes. No, I mean, it's like it was it is it is it is visual It was like eye candy. Arts. It's like yeah. poetry. Eye candy at the same time as being true to its sort of, you know, the 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 setting. It's yeah. it doesn't throw in a bunch of elements just to create Impress set me. pieces. Yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. long set piece. <laughs> it really <laughs> no. is. And it, and that that's that's just completely impressive to me. And I feel like it it is something that I will hold up, and I will I will always be impressed by it. And I think that uh, going forward, like you know, movies of its nature or of its caliber or of of how big it is or feels, movies that come out not not even <coughs> ones in this franchise, like take a cue from this movie, yeah, yeah. like get get your head straight, because like there's a lot of things to learn from what George Miller did with Mad Max and. I, I I hope it influences more movies. Well, I mean, you could see it influencing everything from uh, Fast and the Furious to yeah. Star Wars to anything where anything. You, where where you can yeah. just like say, okay, let's 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 have this kind of relentless pace. Let's have this, you know, one thing leading to another and keeping it grounded. I remember at the time we were talking about just how how like there was so much like blood and sand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that. It's just there's a grittiness to it and in the in the 
truest definition of the word gritty you know like just that you feel it, it looks like it hurts <coughs> that's a great way of putting it yeah, yeah it does it looks like that movie hurt yeah. <laughs> and you feel like it as you're watching it yeah. it is and like pacing is so important like in terms of a narrative and from going from a pick like sicario which a lot of people think is slow which i just call like a burn it's a build this movie builds but this movie's got its foot on the pedal the entire yeah. time literally yeah. and figuratively like it's just that kind of experience and and i i thought it was a blast absolute blast I loved it. There we are, 2015. So yeah, there were definitely movies that were on all three of our lists, yeah. as yeah, expected. Yeah. And I mean, some that some surprises, I think too. So mm-hmm. that was it's good stuff. I got to see Tangerine. That's that's the one I that I didn't see. I think that's the only one I didn't see on any of our lists. It's a weird ass movie, man. Yeah. Well, it was on your top ten, right? Yeah. Tangerine. Yeah, yeah. it's my ten. Yeah. It was my. I think that's the only one I didn't see that we had all mentioned. It was in my top twenty, but but no, definitely one that I. Like uh, um, in a year of really interesting, diverse choices, I think that uh, I think that you know I would say that my top pretty much about to eighteen or nineteen are all movies that I thought were great, and Tangerine mm. was was one of them. But uh, very very good year, fellas. Yeah, nice variety. I, if I if I felt like running the stats right now, I would figure out like what was the what was the big winners of of uh, movie schmovie this year. But I would say Sicario and Mad Max. And Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. It was a beautiful struggle. And Creed. In the top ten. We all had that in our top ten. Yeah, Creed hit all three. And yeah. if you count, uh, I guess, last year. did you, Was what we do in the shadows in your top ten yeah. last year? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I just don't remember. I've listened to that episode. I don't remember. I definitely picked what we do. I don't know what I picked. I don't no, know I do remember you talking was. about it before I had seen it. But either way, that was that counts as one that we all three I love that had movie, in our top man. tens as well. Uh, you know, I was a fan of Boy as well. In Eagle versus Shark. Is that uh, Eagle versus Shark? But yeah. Ty- Actually, no, you don't have it on your top 10 last year. I didn't? No. I didn't think so. No. Because I no, just listened to you that. You didn't episode. have it in your what? top 10. What? I thought I did. But I do remember you talking about it. Yeah. You definitely talked about it. Maybe you didn't pick it because it hadn't come out. But yeah, that, yeah. Great oh, fun. Ronald. Great fun. Great fun. You need to get home and like man, get I feel medicate. Crazy. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah, right, thank you for sticking it out, Poten- man. Potentially for getting us sick, but make, mostly. I'll thank- send you my yeah. doctor bill. Yeah, right. thank you for coming. Okay. <laughs> so it's been a that's been a crazy January for us. We're gonna we're gonna be gone for a couple of weeks, and we'll be back on our every other week schedule for a, a little while. Sketch. But uh, we had to. I feel like it's good. We've we've now put a we've put a closed parenthesis on on 2015. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy. On to the next year. Talk about some new films, maybe. Is there anything good coming out? I know you're excited for the Hail Caesar. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to Hail Caesar and The Witch. The Witch is probably up there for me. And I'm also... Cloverfield. uh, uh, Well, yes. Ken Cloverfield Lane. What the fuck? I showed showed Aaron Cloverfield. She'd never seen it before. She loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. I can't wait for that. That And it's about to come out. March. That's That's nuts. JJ, baby. JJ's a bastard. He's a, he's and you can a, tell. Yeah. You can, he's like, in beast I like, mode. He I is. like that that is such a short... I love that. Like yeah. A lot of musicians have been doing that lately, too. Like, announcing like an it. album that's coming out in a month or whatever, instead it's of awesome. the usual... You know, the I, I don't know. It's a great way to get you excited at the right time instead of the slow bleed. And I think JJ Abrams the, is one of the people who've maybe got the most patience with keeping yeah. something secret. It's from called you. the Beyonce. Which is that is fucking oh, yes. weird? Yeah. Man. <laughs> well, she How, did that. She did that famously maybe before yeah. a lot of people. There was like that. a there was like a rock band that she had talked to that did the same thing and I, I'm like, was it Radiohead? Some because no, no, it was like a it was like a smaller band. I didn't, but Radiohead I definitely know. did like a. We're working on an album. We're working on an album. No news, and then the it's album's out. coming. Yeah, you know? also, I think it was a pay what you pay want. what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. that was a huge deal. That was in rainbows. I think yeah. was that. Album. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I love it. I love that it's changed the way that stuff is released. But well, I feel like it just creates a certain amount. Like I don't like tapping my foot waiting for something for too long. So yeah. when I hear it's coming out in six weeks, I can go like, okay, this is cool. But when you know an album's coming out like next year, it kind of just yeah. yeah it's just like what's the point in having that information you know, in it, your head? Like that. That's that's. I feel like that's very nostalgic though. Like I I I feel like back in the day. There wasn't as much lead time for no, movies yeah, coming not out. At like all. we didn't get a teaser trailer like a year before the movie right. comes out. Right. And we didn't have access to like the interwebs like we do now where like every day we're seeing new information about all these big movies. Yeah. You literally saw a trailer and like three or four months later, at max usually, yeah. something came out. Yeah. Well, twenty fifteen's done. Twenty fifteen in the books. Done. Best, you know what the best ones were, so now you have no reason not to go see them. Yes. Um moviesmovie.com. If you can like us on iTunes or Rate us on iTunes, star us on iTunes, mm-hmm. review us. Do something. It, yes. it, it really, it really, it, as funny as we joke about, it, it really does help. Like, yeah, yeah. Anything that you can do on iTunes to help, all it does is push our podcast higher when people search for movie podcasts. Yeah. Yes. I mean, not that we're going to get, you know, I'm, well, maybe we will. I don't know. Maybe we can get to the top one day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a shitload of podcasts out there. You know, the fact that we can come over and do it in John's basement shows mm-hmm. you how easy it is to make a podcast. Yeah. We love doing the podcast. It's a blast for us. It's it's <sighs> a great outlet for us. So if you can do anything to help us with that and make, make more people aware of it, that yeah. would be great. And anything you can do on iTunes, everything you do on iTunes, whether it's a star or a review, it helps push yeah, our name out higher. helps raise the profile. Yeah, and that, that, that would be appreciated, and uh, we thank you in advance for that. But like John said, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. And we don't know what it is yet, which we don't is know. great. We'll it's, figure it out. It's a whole It'll new a year. Exciting. Yes. Uh, new year. And I'm sure we'll have some great... John comes up with great ideas for podcast episodes. I mean, we all do, but John, he's got some good ones. So I'm he's sure he's got stuff in his back pocket. And uh, Actually, I do have a couple of ideas. Yeah, I can't I, wait I feel him. like we should talk about some new movies as quick as yeah. we can. Oh, so yeah. hopefully when we get back together next time, we'll actually be talking about recent new things that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But yes. That sounds good. Yes. That's a great idea. But that means we have to see some movies. That's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening to Movie Smoothie, and we will talk to you soon. As always, you've made our day. It's a wrap. <laughs> there it is. I was hoping you'd come in with it at the end. There's a world where I can go and tell.